Friday, December the 10th, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We're going to get into NFL Week 14 with Eric. We've got Jack Fitzpatrick from DRF Sports joining us again to talk about some of the big things heading on this weekend in the world of sports. We will get into Friday and Saturday racing. For Friday, we've got Gulfstream Best Bets and we've got Oaklawn Best Plays. We head to Saturday. Gulfstream best plays and a look at the stakes there. Fairgrounds on a big Louisiana bread stakes day. We take a look at a ton of that fairground Saturday card. We also get into best bets for Oaklawn. Sad news in the horse racing world as of late with the passing of Medina Spirit. Andrew Champagne joins me to react to all of that. Uh, everything that's been going on uh, revol- uh, involving Medina Spirit over the last week. And we finish up with wrestling with Chad Cooper. We talk about SmackDown, Raw, NXT, and AEW on this episode of That's What G Said Podcast. That is presented by BetterThan.Vegas at BTV Bets on Twitter. Make sure to go give them a follow. Flip those notifications on every single day. They have a giveaway, a public prop giveaway. They make a wager. If that wager hits, any of the people that have retweeted and helped share that post, they'll pick one of them. You get the wager. You keep the money. Simple. Great way to build your bankroll. We do free live streams before all of the football games on Monday night, on Thursday night, on Sunday to help our uh, to help share with you some of our analysis, some of our thoughts, some of our best bets. Everything is free over there at BTV. Videos from handicappers and gamblers all around the world providing you with information to help you become a better, better. And Kurt Angle joining the crew over at BTV. Shout out to Kurt Angle, who went 3-0 last week, the first time that he was posting some of his selections with NFL picks. Kurt's going to be joining us for a couple of those live streams, and we're also going to do some wrestling uh, pre- and post-shows for some of the big wrestling events coming up in 2022. Lots happening over at BetterThan.Vegas. Let's jump into our first interview. We're going to touch base with Jack Fitzpatrick from DRF Sports, tell you all about that fantastic website where you can get information and matchup info for every game, every sport, all sorts of breakdowns, betting angles, insights, trend info. We'll talk about the site. We'll talk about uh, some of the big things happening in the world of sports with Jack Fitzpatrick here on That's What G Said. Another big sports weekend coming up. Jack Fitzpatrick from DRF Sports hanging out with us here on That's What G Said podcast. You heard Jack over the last uh, month or so coming on. And, and Jack, in just the time that you've been joining us, I've been able to see uh, DRF Sports growing and growing and growing. That website continues to get uh, fancier and fancier with more features. And now uh, you're continuing to add more podcasts now, uh, some that you're a part of. It's just uh, so much content over there for the sports fans. Yeah, they're, they're, we're starting to pump out NBA picks, NHL picks, getting all that good stuff going out. Some FCS football picks it's the fcs football playoff time so so getting that going and and yeah with some college basketball trying to do a weekly betting preview on that but you know sometimes life gets in the way of of writing a uh of a a betting preview so instead i just talk about it on a podcast sometimes it makes it a little bit easier i know know how that works you know what i mean (laughs) i definitely i definitely am a fan of that uh of that format so uh for all of you who are listening in right now if you haven't stopped at drf sports yet 
you gotta do so. If you're listening to this conversation, I'm sure you're a sports fan. You're probably someone who bets on some sports. Yeah, I'm sure you know that name, DRF, Daily Racing Form. You, if you played the races, you've had that form before in your pocket. It's helped you with all the past performances, and that's that's basically what this is, DRF Sports Jack. For every sport, every game, you get those type of past performances where all of the stats and info for each team. Uh, you know, just as far as uh, basic stuff, uh, you know, on field or on court stats, then you get the trends, then you get the the betting insights, which are the specific angles that the DRF sports likes. Then you get the the, the game simulators, the predictive scores, whatever you do for uh, to handicap and to gamble. There's probably something there that complements your handicapping and will really help you. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean. If you wanted to know the last time the Steelers played a team that threw for over 250 yards on a Tuesday night and some of the some of the, some of the betting angles are just very very um exact but I mean there's just so much information there for you to to parse through it and and see what you want to what what it gives you the choice to pick what you want to use. Yep. The fo- uh with uh with the horse racing DRF past performances, they have uh, the formulator PPs, and it's exactly the same type of thing here. You 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 look whatever you want, whatever stats are important to you or relevant to you, and then some are like irrelevant, right? You look and you go, oh, I don't need that, and then you just kind of toss it off to the side. But that I, I always want more on my platter, and then you can push off. Right. Nobody yep. wants to nobody wants less on their plate. You know, it's exactly. like, no, I don't have to go back somewhere for more. Give me all on my plate. If I don't want it, if I if I don't need it, I'll push it off to the side. And Jack, for some of the folks who have uh, gotten to know you over the last couple months here, it's been a good week for a couple of your teams. Let's start with uh, James Madison getting a, a nice W there over Virginia. They were a little disrespectful with the uh, the post they put out <laughs> prior to the game. I saw that. It was like they're dunking on a dog, and it was just, wow, man. So it was nice to see uh, the uh, James Madison get a little fired up, get a little feisty, and uh, a big upset there. Yeah, that was a, a fun game. I was actually in attendance at that game, over 8,000 people. That was the largest college basketball crowd in the history of JMU. First win against UVA in program history. They were previously 0-11, so now a great 1-11 record. And they had previously never beaten at ACC school in basketball, and then they do that. So it was a huge night for the program. Some people, some UVA fans say it's not even that big of an upset. They're a little salty about the loss. Um, but it's just a good old fashioned kind of, there's some animosity there. Oh, it's just yeah. some good, I mean, some they're separated stuff. by, I think an hour, 81, 81 and 64, I 81, I 64 down there in the Shenandoah Valley. So there's a little bit of animosity between the two schools and, and the students don't really like each other. And, and it was a, it was a really, really fun game. A lot of fun there. I love seeing that as uh, this is a great time for college basketball because actually uh, a team that, you know, I've, I've touched on them a few times with you um i'm a usc trojan fan they're a little sneaky right now keep an eye on those usc trojans they're up to 90-0 right now i think they're quietly yep. number 16 in the nation they just won uh against eastern kentucky the other night and what's nice about them this year jack is uh they're just really deep they don't have anyone like an evan mobley last year or even like a big O a a couple years ago they won't have a lottery pick on this team but what they do have they go about eight or nine deep of really big long players. I think they're third in the nation in size. 
As far as the amount of players they have that are like six eight or six nine or over, they're just really really long. They can switch a lot. They make it really difficult to score. And what's what's kind of a blessing for them this year is that because of UCLA, the Pac-12 is going to get more national attention. Yep. So USC will already get a little bit more love. And Arizona is a great great team. This this Pac-12 this year with with you know Arizona with UCLA, and if USC is a little bit better than people may have thought they would, they may have. A, a pretty good sort of top heavy conference. Yeah, they're a very top heavy conference right now. The bottom of it isn't isn't oh, no. too strong, but no. <laughs> um, I think that's to put it lightly. There, the top half of it is is really really good and is is pulling them up. But the bottom half of Pac-12 is a little leaves a little bit be, little bit to be desired. But I mean, like you said, USC is running nine deep. They have nine different guys who who get on the floor. They play mm-hmm. at least twenty three percent of the minutes or more. Um, and then I think they have six guys who play 50% or more of the minute. So a really good just way to keep the ball going around and, and keeping the guys fresh and one of the best teams in the country. And it'll be interesting to see how they play as as conference play starts uh, starts heating up here. Because the, the, the look at their schedule, what they um, with the Pac-12 and with a lot of these teams this year, so that USC just, just dipped in and played two conference games, and now they have like five back out of conference games. And then after yep. the new year, they get back into the conference. So it was sort of nice for them to be able to, to get a couple wins in conference already. And then now you can go, and they've got, I think, five true road wins so far, which will really helps their uh, a lot of those advanced numbers, a lot of those ratings and those rankings. And uh, now they got you know three or four games that are pretty winnable before I think they have a game with Oklahoma State, and then they'll get back into the conference. So um, some good stuff from our college basketball teams over the last week or so, Jack. And I, I think this next thing you're going to really like I locked in last night, Jack, as we transition on over the Seattle Seahawks plus nineteen fifty to make the playoffs. I did that's, it yesterday. You're, I did that's it. a little that's a that's an interesting I would woo. Okay, so <laughs> we got Seattle who uh who won last week. And so the way the trajectory of the Seahawks now, when you're looking at them, they just look like a team that's led by a quarterback who's getting a little bit better week by week. You know, he, that's true. And then they play what they play the Texans this Texans, week. Texans, so Texans this week. Theory, in theory, seven they're point five favorite. and eight. Seven point favorite. Look at the rest yeah. of their schedule. They've got the Texans. Then they've got home games against the Bears and the Lions. Their final game of the year is at Arizona in a situation where the Cardinals might be sitting players. They might have yeah. they they might have everything wrapped up. They might have the division clinched. They might be be resting guys. Um, now again, the Cardinals resting guys this year. They they already had to, they already took care of Seattle with McCoy, but that may be a situation where they're not playing a lot of defensive guys. You know, a lot of their bulk. So I'm looking at their schedule right now, and it's going to really come down to the one game at the Rams. To you, you feel like they're going to be favored in three of the next four games. The one that they're not is going to be at the Rams, a divisional game, a team that they know very very well. And honestly, I'm a Rams fan. It's not as if the Rams have been. Unbelievably overwhelming as of late They just beat up on a bad team Before that they had you know a bad stretch Of games I think if you You look at the you know Seattle this Weekend they're like a minus 330 Favorite on the road And I I just kind of looking Ahead I was having some fun messing Around I'm going to do a segment with one of my buddies on uh, Playoff futures and By far of all of them They're the most interesting because 
We know they have a proven track record of winning We've seen them do this in, in previous years at the end of the year Where they kind of get an easy schedule And they beat up on, you know, they win Three or four or five games in a row Heck, we just saw the Washington football team Do this in four straight games And it comes down to I mean, do you re- are you really scared of The other teams that they're battling for That they would be battling for the bottom of that spot We're talking about the Vikings, the football team We're talking about the Eagles We're talking about the 49ers who they just beat I mean, none of them I don't really trust any of them I, I don't know, I don't want to you know, uh, Get the mortgage out to do it But <laughs> I think at plus 1950 A little flyer on Seattle To make the playoffs If they win this game this week And then they beat the Rams Then you're going to start feeling like, uh-oh You know, it's going to be like Oh wow, we got two very winnable games at home and then we, who knows what happens in that last game And then maybe at that point You started to build some momentum This is like Russ against the world time Let's do it Jack Let's get these Seahawks to go on a streak right now No I love it And then also they have the tiebreaker with the 49ers Who are sitting in front of them Beat them twice this season And then the Washington football team has two more games left With the Cowboys And yep. I'm not discounting Washington in the least They've shown that they're a really solid team These last four weeks but that's going to be hard to win both of those games. I think and they so, play two against the Cowboys and two against the Eagles. Yeah, so they have and a really both, tough. Yeah, And the Eagles are right in that mix too. So the Eagles have a couple games against teams. They also have another game left still against Dallas. This weekend even you've got, uh, you know, you look at the Vikings, what they've got left. They've got a couple tough games on their schedule. I think they've got Steelers, Rams, and, uh, and Packers still left of three of their yeah, games so, coming up, you know. It's, it's really tough for him. I mean, for all the teams in front of him, and, and, and yeah, Seattle's sitting pretty there. And I mean, it's I no, like their chances. It's a, even. Two, it's a huge price, right? So this is not something that's very yeah, nineteen fifty. So much value there to happen. But you start thinking about it; they're going to be minus favorites in three of these games. They're going to be minus money line favorites, like minus two hundred or above. In this game, it's yep. minus three hundred. In the Rams game, they'll probably be like a plus two fifty underdog. Plus 300 yeah. maybe at the most And and so for me it's like Wow it, of course you got to string them all together But if you're looking to have some fun Right now and throw a few few bucks on You know teams in this last stretch To get there again we never know With this new extra week extra game You know how, how is that going to Affect and impact some teams down the stretch Where a team like Seattle Maybe with with Russ getting Healthy where other teams are Like I, I'm kind of packing it in I'm done they just might be fine. Like, think about some of the teams, you know, around them. Like Minnesota, there's a lot of negative vibe around them right now. You just oh, kind of yeah. like, oh, like people are talking about is Zimmer going to be gone or what's happening with him? And you know, Philly, they they just looked great with Minshew. Now people are going to be wondering which quarterback. You know, should they go to Minshew? Should they go to Hurts? They they may have some issues over there too. So. Let's let's do it, Jack. Let's get Seattle to play some good football coming up over these next few weeks, and uh, and that would be a lot of fun. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, college bowl games because on the podcast that you do, that is more than just college basketball, right? You guys do all college sports on there. Yeah, all college sports. This last podcast, which was dropped uh, this morning, Thursday morning, we talked a little. Bowl game. I mean, we'll have another podcast next week where we'll really dive into some more bowl games. But we're kind of looking ahead, seeing seeing where we're feeling, what we're looking at, and and some of these early bowl games have some really interesting matchups. UVA takes on um, forget who they take on, but 
they're in a really interesting spot. Bronco Mendenhall is leaving the program after this game. So a lot of the guys are going to want to get up and play for it. A lot of the guys who have entered the transfer portal are actually going to be allowed to play in the bowl game for UVA. So that's going to be a really interesting game. I love the UTSA San Diego state matchup. UTSA was ranked for a majority of the season. They have one loss and who knows if they didn't have that one loss, you're the conference USA champion. You're the, you're undefeated. They might've gotten a better bowl, but then you're sitting there with San Diego State, who's number four in the country, and their best player is a punter. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. And uh, I think the Boca Raton Bowl, Holiday Bowl, Western Kentucky plays. Who is it? I'm not sure, but it's going to be a fun offensive showdown in that and, one. And 44 bowl games will begin, I think, on yeah. the seven, December the 17th. And one thing just from a gambling standpoint, you were kind of hitting on it. Now, these games have changed a lot from how they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. I mean, everybody in every school played in every bowl game. That was the huge thing. Everybody, that was what you, you know, you worked your whole season to get to any bowl, to win that bowl, and you had a lot of pride in doing so. Things have become such a business now that so many of these kids in college are just, college is just the stepping stone to the NFL, to what's next. So that's something that you... When you're handicapping the games, make sure in each game, right before you make your plays, you really look who's playing, who's not, who's in, who's not. Does anybody seem to have any added motivation? Who's probably happier to, you know, to be in that spot and who's pumped up? Yeah. Who's someone that might be a little deflated because they maybe have wanted more from their season? There's all those really cool ways and things to handicap when you look when you're diving into the bowl games. Yeah, who who has their offensive coordinator coaching the game instead of their head coach because their head coach took another job? Exactly. Even, who had their offensive coordinator poach to go to another place? So now they're yeah. running completely different. Like there's so much to it. And like and like you said, what team's getting up for it? I mean, Old Dominion, a CUSA team, I think they won their last five games of the season just to become bowl eligible. So they're at one point sitting with just one win looking like bleak chances at any chance at a bowl. Now they're in the Myrtle Beach Bowl and they're taking on Tulsa. Tulsa probably doesn't want to necessarily go to Myrtle Beach. Old Dominion, that's just a quick it's a quick car ride down um, to South Carolina. And so ODU is going to be pumped for that game. And that's one of them you circle. I think ODU is going to be probably plus money in it. And I think they're going to win that game. And, and, and that's just like knowing the ins and outs of it and, and understanding who's going to get up for what. We've got NFL Week 14 coming up. We've got college football bowl games coming up in just a, a, a week. We've got college basketball continuing on with all of their tournaments and getting into the conference seasons now for a lot of these teams. And Jack Fitzpatrick is a great follow on Twitter and over at DRF Sports. They will help you with everything. If you're just following them on social media, they're going to keep you updated when big games are going on, big plays, big moments, um, crazy line movement. They're always going to share different articles and unique insights there. And then all of that great content with the podcasts that are coming up, with the videos that's coming up. So you were saying, do you have a a schedule for the release of uh, of, of the college sports podcast? Yeah, so the College Sports Podcast gets dropped every Thursday morning. We normally nice. record Wednesday night. Uh, makes it a little difficult because college basketball lines don't really come out until, you know, the 24 yeah. hours before. So exactly. we rely heavily on Ken Palm, um, kind of Ken Palm predictions, kind of go with mm-hmm. that because normally the lines are fairly similar to the Ken Palm predictors. Um, so we go off of that. We record Wednesday nights previewing the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday games in college basketball. Uh, and then we we talk a little bowl games and probably for the next, what, 
the national championship for FCS football is January 8th. We talk a little FCS football on that. So that can be found every Thursday. And then the DRF Sports Podcast with our guys Sheldon and Matt. That get that that gets dropped every Tuesday around midday. And Friday is their picks pod. And that gets dropped around uh, midday as well. So uh, you will get coverage and you will get analysis for football, for college football, for college basketball in just those podcasts each and every week. You can get all the help that you need at DRF Sports. doesn't cost you anything to sign up. Just create an account. And if you uh, sign up for the newsletter, they will give you uh, information all the time. They'll send things right to your email. They'll let you know when new things are happening, uh, new articles, new podcasts that are dropped, new videos that are dropped. The winning has been unbelievable in the early stages of DRF sports, the the shows, the videos, everybody is doing such a great job. It's put a little pressure on you, Jack, man. I got to say like everybody out there is dishing out like tons of winners all over the place. Yeah, we our best bets. We do a best bets portion on the uh, college sports podcast. We were 10 and three on the season combined, Bennett and I. But then when I go and do my picks for uh, college basketball and I do my picks for the, the wrong playoffs, I, that's where I, I, I just fall <laughs> on my face. I think I was like, under five, and I love the FCS playoffs. I, I I follow along. I take in FCS football content all the time, and I think I know it. I get so excited. And then last week, I absolutely fell on my face. I think I was like one game below 500, two games below 500. And I was like, if only I could just find when I'm talking on a podcast, if I could put those picks into these written ones, I'd be on fire. But uh, I guess I get sports betting always has a way to humble you, right? I was going to say, that's why I like just giving as much content out there as possible. I'm a volume shooter. You know, that's how I am. I feel like, I feel like, you know, you get, keep giving me those reps. I'm going to have a game or two where I go oh for 20, but then I'm going to have a few of those games where I hit 10 threes and we are good to go. So I feel like if you just keep listening, you're going to run into one sooner, sooner or later as uh, Jack Fitzpatrick. We've been very lucky to have him with us here. We are going to have to keep checking in with Jack and see how things are going with DRF sports, with those podcasts and uh, see how the, the Seahawks are doing and how James Madison is doing and, uh, and everything is going on. So Jack, We'll check in with you again in a few days and uh, and see how things are going. We'll be following along with the podcast over there. Anything else you want to plug before we get out of here? No, that's about it. Thank you for having me. I I'd love it, and uh, hopefully all of the picks we've shared, and hopefully the Seahawks at what was it plus nineteen fifty make the playoffs. Fifty, yeah, take a little flyer on I that. Might have Why to go not? Take a little. I might have to go log in and place a couple couple futures bets and uh, really really get on that because now looking at it, I think I, I mean, I mean, are it's you all the schedule? Right, you, you come down to the schedule, and, and are you betting against Russell Wilson when it's Kirk Cousins and Taylor Heineke, the people you know standing in front of him to not yeah. make the playoffs? I'm going Russ. That's the problem, right? It's like you look around, you you survey, and right now you would love to have had just one of those games back, the Seattle yeah. game, just one, right? The Washington game. The Washington game was the one where you felt like that, or even one one of those Geno Smith games where he was really close and he had an opportunity. It would have been kind of nice to sneak up on one, maybe the, the Steelers or the Saints, like one of those games, and you'd be really good shape right now. But you know what? We wouldn't have the plus 1950 to uh, to shoot at. So, hey, hey maybe <laughs> it's a blessing a fan, in disguise. I feel a lot better as a fan. I know. I know. Me too. Because <laughs> I like – because Seattle's one of those teams that you like and you, genu- you genuinely feel like if Russ is – like 90% with them They can steal a game against anyone Honestly I don't know yeah. if they could win Four games in a row in the playoffs on the road Or something to win it all But they absolutely are the type of team That could beat anyone with a with Russ On any given day 
Let's just see if Russ can continue to get healthier and healthier And uh, this week, yeah, you know, just just play smart Don't make a lot of mistakes against a bad Texans football team And take one step on the road there with the, with the Seahawks Jack Fitzpatrick, give him a follow Jack, what's the social media for you? You can follow me at F-I-T-Z all the way And then you can follow all the happenings at DRF Sports At DRF underscore sports Jack Fitzpatrick helping us out here on That's What G Said. Thanks so much, Jack. And make sure, once again, to get on over to DRF Sports. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more to discuss. So you want to set the mood. You're looking for something all natural. Soy wax. Non-toxic, baby. Sense for every season. Now don't be afraid, baby. Just spell it out. And don't forget, promo code Gino gets you 10% off. Mm-hmm. A great time to head to sarahcandles.com right now in the holiday season. You're looking for some extra gifts for friends or for family? Go put an order in right now. Use that promo code GINO. It'll get you 10% off your purchase. You know, sometimes you're not sure what to get. A couple different candles for someone, a couple different scents. That'll help set the mood for them and let them know these are non-toxic. They are healthier for you because of that soy wax. No carcinogens, no pollutants there. C-E-R-A candles.com. Time for NFL Week 14 games with Eric. We're going to jump into and preview all of the games. Not the Thursday game as uh, you are listening to this post that Thursday game. But we'll get into all the Sunday games and the Monday game. NFL Week 14 coming up right now. NFL week 14 we are moving along right now and a big week of an important week a lot of games with playoff implications for these teams that are all battling to get in Eric who has been with us each and every week is here again to help us out with the game previews for every single one of these week 14 games well we won't talk the Thursday game because we're actually recording as this Thursday game is going on at the moment it is a a current blowout at halftime with the Vikings up on Steelers, Eric, buddy, how you doing this week? You know what? Uh, after last week, I'm still not confident. This minus three I got with the Vikings until the final whistle. I got, so I got the just, same thing. I know. You know, yeah. I'm just just grinding it out. You know that Russell Gage drop touchdown pass for the cover hurt a little bit last week, but <laughs> you know, I'm I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I'm ready for this week. Ready to make some money. Ready to cash some tickets. You know, um, the. First look show that you and I did on Sunday. We beat the market on some on some numbers. We're ahead of the market, so hopefully, uh, hopefully, we make some money. That's all you gotta do, right? I mean, you you want to win, but you have to just try to be ahead of it, and you know, in the long run, that uh, that you will uh, you'll end up making some money, and you'll end up being on the right side. So. We will uh, get into all of these games, and and as Eric mentioned, we will be on Instagram live on Sunday. Right before the Sunday night football game So in that little window right after The the uh, second slate Of games ends There's that you know 30 minutes to about 45 minutes Or so where there's nothing going on We jumped on and uh, we went through A look at the games for next week We looked at the lines We spent about 15-20 minutes going real quick through everything Is this a game we're interested in? Yes, no And then just kind of uh, passed on some of them But uh, so far, so good. As Eric has mentioned, and we'll do that again the 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 rest of the weeks throughout the uh, throughout the year. So let's get into this week, Eric, and let's start with a very very important game. 
And this is one of the games where if you were lucky enough to lock it in right away on Sunday, you could have caught this game at a uh, a pick'em. This yeah. game was uh, even, and now this has moved all the way into Cleveland minus two and a half or Cleveland minus three here. So Ravens Browns, tell us a little bit about where you stand if you what you've done and uh, some of your thoughts on this game. Well, I'm looking at this. It's a great situational spot for the Browns. Um, they played the Ravens, lost the game they should have won. Now you have a bye, and now basically you get two weeks, and then you play them again. So it's a great situational spot. My big concern for the Browns is their offense is producing at 13 points less a clip when Jack Conklin's on the field for less than 70% of the snaps. The offense, when he is out there, they are at um, 149 yards rushing per game. When he doesn't play, that drops all the way down to 115 yards per game. And Chubb, when he plays, is at 105. When he doesn't play, is at 86. So this guy is the anchor for the offensive line. So him not being there has me a little bit concerned. Um, also, we got Mayfield's health issues. We don't know what's going on with Mayfield. Is he healthy? Is he not healthy? Um, I'm hearing kind of conflicting reports from two people I trust. And with everything going on with the Ravens, I mean, they have 13 players on defense that are going to miss their game this game. Their right tackle is out. Three other four top DBs are out. There's just way too much uncertainty with this game. So for me, this is a pass. Yeah, this is one of those that if you didn't lock it in, I wouldn't want to play it now. Because it just feels like a divisional game. It feels like a game that's going to be close. I think that there are enough things to be positive about with Cleveland coming off of the bye. Like you said, it just it feels like a great spot for them, minus the Conklin factor. I think that's huge. But what I do like, Eric, is you you pointed out over the last couple of weeks some fantastic Conklin stats when he's in and out. What I like is that where they are coming from right now, at least they're coming off of the bye. Knowing moving forward, they don't have him. So Stefanski could have now figured things out. Okay, he was the one of the strong points, the strong point on our offensive line. Now he's not around. Now we have to tweak the run game a little bit, right? Now we're not going to be heading in the direction of Conklin as much. We got to go in a different direction. We got to go where our strengths are. Let's tweak things slightly. I think that coming off the bye, I hope this is one thing I think we've talked about a little bit, but I'd love to see. Some Chubb and Hunt in the game together mm-hmm. Right uh, in the backfield Together just lining up or one of them You know that you split them up in the backfield together And then in one of them spreads out wide and runs uh, Runs some routes um, Last year looking at the Browns Schedule from 2020 So after their bye last Year with Stefanski they ended Up having a really really Good second half of the year they beat Houston Philly at the Jags They lost to Tennessee uh, or they beat Tennessee, excuse me, in that game that you and I were all over. Then they lost that big shootout on Monday night to Baltimore, 47-42. They ended up beating the Giants. They lost that game to the Jets, which was like, what? What's going on? And then they beat Pittsburgh at the end of the year. They came back and beat Pittsburgh in the playoffs. And they lost the really tight one to KC. So I think Stefanski, I hope. I, I'm expecting him to tweak some things Because I've been a little disappointed with him this year Eric, uh, you know, you and I think both have been A little disappointed with, you know Some of the adjustments, some of his play calling In games, I don't mind that he's aggressive A lot, I actually like, I don't, if you're going to Be aggressive, you kind of, and you want to stick To it, that's fine, but 
this is an opportunity for the Browns now. They've sort of been lucky that nobody, everybody else has kind of had. I mean, everybody in in the AFC has four losses. It's not yeah. like it's not like they're they're that far out of it right now. They they control their own destiny. They still got a lot of games with teams that are in front of them. A lot of important games. So. This is big for them. I again I wouldn't want to play it at minus three. At under three, I'd still lean Browns, but I just wouldn't I wouldn't play it at that number if you couldn't get the earlier number, which I was lucky enough to do. So uh, really, really good game. You know, so let's talk about real quick the, the choice last week for the Ravens. They chose to go for two to win the game instead of kicking that extra point to tie it with 12 seconds left. So he said they chose to go for two because they were out of cornerbacks due to injuries. What did you think about that decision? Well, at first, I love the decision because I would say, hey, you know, go for two. You're banged up. And let's face it. They drew up a great play. Andrews just dropped the ball. That's, mm-hmm. there's it was a combo, right? Yards. A little bit of a bad touch, a little bit of a like it could have been a better pass. And it, and it definitely was a play that Andrews has made and could make all the time. And, you know, I was really gun ho about it. You and I talked about it uh, right after the game when we did our uh, for our first look segment on Instagram. And then on Monday, I, I talked to my buddy Brad. Who I've mentioned a lot, Brad's his old head. Brad's argument, and he's never brought this up to me. He's like, you have Justin Tucker, who's the best kicker in the world. That's best it, kicker right? Ever. He's like, I don't care if you're rolling, you know, whoever, like Bateman out as a DB. You know, like Steelers offensive line isn't that good. They were Steelers really weren't doing that great of a job moving the ball for the whole game. Yeah, in the fourth quarter they scored some unanswered points. But when you have Tucker, his argument is like, you have Tucker, you have a guaranteed three, you roll your dices with Tucker in it. And then he went on this big, big uh, tangent. And let me ask you what, what you think about this. He has this thing that the Ravens, they're less than 500 this year if they don't have Tucker. And I think you're in the same boat because you're Oh, dude, 100%. 100%. Yeah, and I agree. That was, that was why I didn't, like, I... I don't even mind the whole like let's go win it. You know, like I like that kind of going for it mentality. I love it. But mm-hmm. but just thinking about it with the with the Tucker weapon, that's something that yeah. nobody else has. You know that with Lamar you can you can still move the ball and pick pick up first downs when you have to. You can get 20 or 30 yards, which is all you need to do in overtime. Yeah. Yeah. So. I just Tucker's this weapon that's just kind of unheard of. He kind of gets lost in the mix. Um, I would have gone for two. Harbaugh has an analyst guy telling him I the play was there. Andrews just dropped the ball. I mean, like if Andrews catches it, are we really going to even be talking about no, it? No, you no, know? not at all. So, Everyone's saying, "Oh, yeah. Jim with the big balls going for yeah. it." Harbaugh with the big ball, whatever. So, um, yeah. So a couple other things. No, this is a big, big game. I mean, the O line was really bad. Lamar got sacked seven times, three turnover worthy plays. What are the cornerbacks going to be like now? Humphrey's going to miss the rest of the the season with an injured shoulder. He Lamar has struggled recently against the blitz. It's almost like they sort of unlocked something when the Dolphins were doing it. And now it's like a copycat league. Everybody figured that out and they've all been doing it. And now Lamar's got to adjust back because what Lamar had did had done this year, early in the year, he he was making a lot of improvements, throwing the ball. He looked like he was taking gradual steps forward. And then I think it's a combination of things, Eric, when you sort of you get hurt or you know, things aren't necessarily going all that well for you. You revert back to what, you know, to what you know. And he's not just a natural great thrower of the ball. That's something that he's got to work on and get better. It's like somebody who's not a great shooter in the NBA. You can have your moments of really good shooting, but when in pressure, tough shots, a lot of times you're probably not going to make that. So 
He's got it. A, goes they, back to the old Shane Falco analogy. Of course, right? Footsteps Falco. You know, yeah. You know, yeah. Like that thing where he's like, what do you fear the most in that movie? Quicksand. Yep. And Quick it's like sand. he's trying too hard and he's pressing. And I mean, like, I look at it as a coach. Lamar's pretty much at his ceiling. Can he move? Can he improve his mechanics a little bit? Yeah, here or there. But his arm strength, he is what he is. He's a exactly. dynamic runner. He's what he um, is. So, so now at this point, yeah. you have to. Yeah. Elevate him, right? You've got to put him in a position to succeed, and and not, and and, lo- and not, yeah, not worry about his struggles. Problems. To me, are more mental than physical, right now. I agree. I agree. Yeah, he, he's not someone. There are plenty of quarterbacks in the league with a less strong arm or a less capable arm than him. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. that could get the job done. So, and then you add the fact that he's got the running there. This is a big game for both of these two teams as uh, we move along. To our next game, we're going uh, Jags Titans. So we've got the Titans coming off of their bye. They are an eight and a half point favorite here. Do we know for sure about Julio Jones in this game? We have no clue. We have no clue for we never do with football. I really hope he doesn't go because it's a great nat- matchup for my boy Nick Westbrook. So I hope I hope there's no Julio, but you know you just don't know. And besides, he's a walking hamstring issue. Um, this game, like. I want to take the Jaguars. Me so too, bad, but I, I think I, I, can, I want to think I can I, take I just, them or the Texans right now. I just I don't just, think I can do it for I another week. Too. And I mean, you look, I look at it like this, like I want my best players touching the ball. That's what I want. I want my best players touching the ball. Why the hell is Treadwell getting more targets and more touches than the Viscus Chenault when he's your most dynamic playmaker? You have James Robinson. Yeah, he fumbled once. Everyone in the NFL fumbles. It's a great, great play by the defender. And then he just gets benched for like, like what, 12 plays in a row, and you're going with old man Carlos Hyde? You know, you just, it's just stuff like that. And you just like, it, you just can't back a team that's this dysfunctional. They have all the talent in the world. And Lawrence, I say it every week, he's getting worse and worse. Yeah. And they, like, I'm glad you brought that up. So, of quarterbacks this year that have taken at least 20% of the dropbacks for their team, Lawrence is ranked number 33 out of 42. The only quarterbacks this year that have been worse than him by pro football focus. Darnold, Zach Wilson, Big Ben, Colt McCoy, Mike Glennon, Tyrod Taylor, Trey Lance, Mike White, and Davis Mills. I mean, this guy is supposed to be, he's, it's, it's not, this isn't a wins loss stat, right? I'm not talking, these don't grade your winning and your losing. These grade the plays that you make individually as a player. That's why I like pro football focus and that's why I look at fo- football outsiders because they look at specific plays, EPA and stuff. Those are great stats because they tell you what every play does. It, it's not a general it's not like a real real blanket of, "Oh, here, take a look at the box score, or take a look at these wins and losses where sometimes they can be a mirage." This team only had 197 yards last week, 3.6 yards per play. Um I, I mean it's just embarrassing. Like it is. You look like Zach Wilson, and I'm not the biggest Zach Wilson fan. You look at him in the red zone. He at least does. Uh, his head moves. He tries. Lawrence, he takes Lawrence, some shots down the field. Guy, yeah, Lawrence, one guy, and the sh- the smaller the field gets, there's it's tougher to read because there's less space. Lawrence does one guy, not there he runs. That that tells me all I need to know about the lack of coaching. That is going on in that Jay Wilder organization. And for that owner to come out and say, hey, I have all the faith in Urban Meyer, that is just, Lawrence is done. In my eyes, he's 
he's as much guys, as it pains me to say it, he's done. Guys get ruined, man. Guys get ruined like this, and you can't. You're going to start developing all these bad habits because it reminds me of of Darnold in that. When we saw the first three games of this year, Eric, where Sam was playing like the best version of Sam Darnold because he was with yeah. a new team. He was excited. The team around him was kind of excited. He had McCaffrey next to him. The defense was playing really well. They had an easy schedule. They caught the Saints in a good spot. They were all kind of pumped up. And then what ends up happening is, you know, you get you get back to those bad habits. And poor Sam, maybe he was never going to be a good quarterback but the guy had no shot when he came in and he was with the Jets and where he was. He had no shot after that. After being there for a couple of years and what happened there, you have no chance. And if that happens, that keeps happening to Trevor Lawrence, man, it's going to be a waste of a guy that was supposed to be a generational talent. Can't can't play this game. I'm passing. Let's move Raiders Chiefs. So this one is up in the uh, nine and a half range here. Last week, the Chiefs. One, uh, Mahomes was not spectacular He was 15 for 29, 184 yards And an interception, there was a lot of wind in that game Though, so maybe you don't really Look at the passing numbers all that much He actually had 88 of those yards to Running back, so he was dumping it off a little bit Which you, I think is a good a Good bit of growth for Mahomes Who earlier in the year was you know Always trying to make the big, too big of a play um, Clyde Edwards Lair, it's three catches for 28 yards Great game from the offensive line pass protection Only one lineman allowed a pressure on the day The defense has been helped by Jones Moving back to the interior He had five pressures on 32 running uh, rushing snaps Now all that being said If if Denver's driving And likely covers that game If they don't have that really bad turnover So KC again Even when they were playing at their best And their offense is not Firing right now at all their defense Is actually surprisingly improved and, and Playing pretty well I I mean I would never lay this big Of a number do you want are you confident With the Raiders to lock in the Number on the other side I can't imagine you're Laying nine and a half with KC This is the way I look at it is The Raiders Didn't make the necessary adjustments Before that game you look at Mahomes as production and there's one game that sticks out, and that's the Raiders with the way that Gus Bradley likes to play the, the cover one. Um, and everyone knows the cover two is the way you check Mahomes, but Bradley being an old, stubborn man didn't do it. And I just don't trust him to make the necessary adjustments. And every week there's this goddamn public dog, and they never cover. And I really feel that this week it's going to be the Raiders. I don't want any piece of this action game. This is just a pure, you know, pure stay away for me right now. If the, if the number does something crazy, like ticks up to like a 12, 13, somewhere in that vicinity, I'll be interested in the Raiders. But I just have a feeling they're going to be this week's public dog because of that pure stay away. Yeah, Raiders have, uh, I don't think Waller's going to play either um, this week again, which, you know, is something that obviously really hurts them. So I'm staying away from this game also as we move along to. The Saints and the Jets So the Saints are a five and a half point favorite On the road here Ah man The the Saints have lost Five in a row Hill's going to be starting Taysom Hill with mallet finger Taysom Hill who Man why are you trying to throw The ball so much with this guy Like Like if you if you want to force him in Or if you feel like he's going to You want him to play quarterback 
Just don't throw the ball with him that much. Or if you do, have it be a lot more short stuff. I mean, why is this guy dropping back and taking these big shots downfield where he looks awful doing so? It makes zero sense. It's almost like Payton Payton knows the the season's done. And he's just trying to prove he was right that Hill is this good. Because I, I, I was on here two years ago and you and I were talking. Maybe it was what? last year. I forget. What, it was, what is he yeah, doing? I mean, like Peyton said that he's the next Steve Young. Like, what? what? You, you know what I mean? And then you look at this contract they signed. This contract's going to prevent them from doing stuff. Prevent them from bringing in someone that actually is a good quarterback. Other, or other linemen or other guys yeah. around to help. Yeah. I, just, I mean, there's no way I can lay points with him on the road like this. Are you well, are you on the other the side? Like, when this game first came out, I was, like, leaning toward the Jets. Because it was, like, in that six and a half mm-hmm. range. I was thinking to get a seven. And now it's down to five and a half. And I just don't know. We don't know if the two, the starting left and the starting right tackle are coming back from the Saints. We don't know that. Uh, Camaro is supposed to play, which is going to be a huge upgrade. But the big thing is, uh, are Cameron Jordan and Davenport going to go? Because they're their two best pass rushers that the Saints have. And Wilson is at the bottom of the league with pressure in his face. So that that's the thing I don't know. Like, if Davenport and Jordan aren't a go, I'm going to be interested in the Jets a little bit. Especially if it ticks back up to a six, six and a half. But at this number right now, you know, I, this is just like a pure pure pass for me. I mean, I want to get involved, but I just, I just got to pass. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to get the, it, it might've been the best half of the year for Wilson last week. Uh, in the first half, he didn't miss a throw. He, but he was 12 of 14. The only two throws that weren't completed were drops. They were, I mean, he was literally perfect. He had two touchdowns, 108 yards. And then in the second half, that's when they ramped up the pressure. And that was when, like you mentioned, that was when he really started the struggle. They scored touchdowns on their first three drives but they only had 18 points because they had a rookie kicker who missed his first two extra points that he ever kicked. So then on the third touchdown, they ended up going for two. So they had three touchdowns, but only 18 points, which is I mean, just crazy. Mind boggling. And uh, like, I'll be honest, like, yeah. if I have a rookie kicker and he misses his first extra point, I'm just saying, fuck it, we're going You're for done. Two. Or yeah, yeah I was going like, to say, that's, that's pretty much what ended up happening. They were saying that this poor kid, you know, you wonder he may never... Because he, he wasn't like he was a highly regarded rookie kicker either. You know, he was someone they just brought in to take a shot. It's like you come in, you miss your first two, and now you're done. And it's like, why? Because kicker is such a, you know, like you were a, a Lions fan. Your team was bad for a lot of years, but you had Barry Sanders. You know, you had a good back. Like, how come some bad teams don't have good kickers. It's like the there's never a bad team with just a really good kicker. That's awesome. It's funny because maybe that. Hey, was just, we had we had Jason Hansen do. That's gonna was say automatic. Yeah, right. Hansen. Like so, he played he played for 21 years. Yeah. So like, nowadays, was, just every bad team has a shitty kicker. Every one of them. It's like there's so few. You you look around. It's like bad team. Obviously, oh, that's why they're bad. Terrible kicker. Anytime they need some help on the margins, they can't get it. And that was the poor Jets last week. I mean, they were only down 24-18 going in the second half, but they got shut out in the second half. And they couldn't even get the ball back. Honestly, Philly ran drives of 8 minutes, 22 seconds, 6 minutes, 13 seconds, 3 minutes, 20 seconds, 3 minutes, 35. The Jets only got four second-half drives. They went punt, interception, turnover on downs, and then the final drive at the end of the game. And uh, it, it ends up, you know, th- this happened 
last week too When your kicker starts missing stuff Unfortunately it has, it ends up how you have to Play the game because then you know you can't Really even try longer Field goals which uh, it's not An efficient thing to do but sometimes you're stuck And it's just hey we're in a close game We need the points right here you know And when you can't even take them when that's not Even an option it's a tough way to to play and uh, maybe they'll be in a, a better spot this week with a, from a kicking perspective. We'll see what happens as this game gets closer. Let's get to Cowboys Washington game that uh, locked in at four and a half, which is still right around where it is right now. Um, but we got the value on the money line though. We Absolutely, the one ninety, and now it's down to like one seventy six. Yeah, it's 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 gone. It's yeah. dipped down and then yep. kind of ticked back up. But we're on the bet. We're on the better side of it. Yeah. And Washington is. Uh, they're playing some good football right now, Eric. They really are. Um, they've just figured things out. They're doing a great job with the time of possession. Nine total drives in their game last week. A lot of the box score was pretty evenly matched, but they ended up going on uh, on a long drive to take the lead at the end of the game, and that that ends up being the difference in that game. They ran the ball 30 times for 120 yards, only 3.7 yards per carry, but they were just... Running, 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 and then picking up a, a little chunk play here and there. They spread it around to wide receivers. Six different receivers had multiple catches. They've now won four in a row, and they've got five games remaining. They're all division games, two with Dallas, two with Philly, and the final game of the year at the Giants, uh, Logan Thomas injury. Uh, so, you know, they're going to they're gonna have our guy, the Seals Jones, man, barking it up, Eric. He's going to be back in looking for some DFS touchdowns. Arr, 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 arr. With the seal, with the seal. Um, so I mean, I'm I'm on the football team side here. I think it's the divisional game. I think the football team, like we said on the money line, we caught the better of that. I think you play them straight up. I think you also come back and play them plus the four and a half because I think very easily this could be a tight game that could be a field goal game. And if you if you feel that way about a game and you're getting the points like that, you always got to play the game straight up on the money line as well. Something just kind of feels off about the Cowboys, you know, and yeah. it has for a while. Um, they had a, they had a tough time putting away that Saints team last week with Hill, even with the pick six and four turnovers from the Saints. I mean, that game was right there. I mean, that game was right there. There's three bad turnovers by Hill, and you know that's why the score is a little bit deceiving. Like this Cowboys team. Is kind of like the Dolphins team was last year. They had a lot of turnovers. Their defense looks their better than it is. Yep. And there's no way they're going to be getting right. Right now, I think they average two turnovers a game. That regression is obviously going to come, and I think it starts this week. Um, you look at the uh, Washington team since coming back from the bye. Um, they're only giving up 17 and a half points a game and only allowing 218 yards to opposing quarterbacks. And that was their big thing at the beginning of the year before the bye. Quarterbacks were just tossing all over the defense because Jackson couldn't cover, and there was they really the front four really wasn't getting any pressure. Now they're getting pressure. The defense is covering a lot better, so you know it, it's showing by the results. Um, Heineke he makes some dumb stuff, but the, the kid's got some guts. He's got some grit to him. You know he'll compete. He'll run around. He'll make some plays. He's learning. The guy still yeah. is really young, and he has not played a lot of NFL football. You know. Yep. Yeah, and they're they're giving the ball to Gibson more. They're running a lot more with Gibson. So I just think it's a great matchup for them. And also, at the end of the day, you have a huge coaching advantage with Ron Rivera against Mike McCarthy. I think I so, mean, You and I have talked about it all the time, about how McCarthy's constant mismanagement of the clock is going to come back and bite him in the ass. And, you know, I really think this is a game. I, this is a tough interdivision game. And you also have an outdoor team 
sorry, you have an indoor team in the Cowboys going to play in a 42 degree weather in DC with 12 mile per hour, 12 mile per hour winds. I love this spot for, for Washington. I'm all on them too with a four and a half and the plus 190. The, the Cowboys had all their weapons back last week too, and they didn't really look that great. They didn't run the ball all that well. They had a 58 yard touchdown run from Pollard in the fourth that skewed the numbers. You know, it made it made their running game look a lot better than it really was. And he may not be playing. He's out. He has He's banged up. He's got some issues too. Yeah, we're both on the Washington side here. As we move along, we're going to go Falcons, Panthers. These two teams are somehow still in the mix for the playoffs, and one of them's going to win this game. So one of these two teams is going to go to 6 and 7 and be right there. Right there, which is just nuts to think about. So you've got Carolina who's coming off of their bye. They fired their offensive coordinator, which you and I were discussing. And I thought that was – there's more to the story there. It seems like that had to be at least a mutual move because it wasn't his fault that Carolina has a really bad offensive line and they didn't have very good quarterback play for the last couple of years. That that wasn't hit. You know, McCaffrey got hurt again. Those things weren't something I think you could blame on the offensive coordinator. Now, I do think – for Carolina, this is probably a pretty good spot for them coming off the bye, still with something to play for. And now you have some opportunity to at least work in some packages for Cam now to at least, which he he showed up a couple days before that he played a game for them. And then he played a game the next week and he wasn't able to do anything more than just stuff right around the goal line. I, he's He's not a great thrower of the ball, but I don't think he's going to have to really be tested all that much to throw Deep against the Falcons So This is I'm I'm not I don't think I'm going to play this game If I had to make a play on it I would lean Panthers I do think it's a good spot for them at under three Um, Yeah so that that would be my lean in here But probably not one that ends up on my card Yeah this is a pass for me A lot of questions We really don't know what this offense is going to look like With the change in the OC Like you said Whoever This is a true elimination game Because of that I tend to lean the under, but the Falcons have no idea what's going to be coming at them with the change in the OC. Um, Ryan does struggle against the blitz. Uh, Panthers are blitzing at 33%. They have a 33% blitz rate, which is, I think, believe is third highest in the NFL. Um, their DBs are great. I really want to take, take them here, but I don't know. Like, doesn't it, with it sitting at two and a half, this just seems like really trappy to me. You know what I mean? Doesn't it kind of seem Absolutely. a little crappy? 100%. Like, why you know why I mean? wouldn't it just be a full three? Because Carolina yeah. feels like they're the better team. Yeah. It just... If, I just... Yeah. I, no, I just no. Gotta, that's that's why I'm not, yeah. I'm not enticed. And I'm away. just... Like, Cam, I'm just not... You know, Cam might be done, honestly. He might not have a whole lot left in the tank. And if he does, they are going to show it this week. Mm-hmm. But there are games that I like on the board more than this. So... Yeah. The, uh, Patterson. I will say this though. Go ahead. I will say this. You just mentioned his name, Patterson. I really think the year that Cordell Patterson is having kind of cements my take that Arthur Smith is an offensive genius. Because the fact he is able to make a 31-year-old special teams player a relevant producer in the NFL and someone who your offense needs to like strive at. Like, this guy's is, never is been a big to me. He's, you know what I mean? Like he's always had talent. But he's been just like a, a like a trick play, gimmick play player, you know. Uh, Seventy eight yards rushing, eighteen yards receiving. Hey, Gage, eleven catches, twelve targets for one hundred thirty yards. Seven catches were first downs. I played Gage twice this year in fantasy when he got a zero. He's had uh, like 
Yeah, two games where he got a zero. I, I will now say he's this, been though. incredible. I will say this. The Panthers um, secondary is an insane upgrade over the Buccaneers. Oh, yeah. And then, so, I mean, I would, I would stay completely away from Russell it, Gage. This Don't get a, me wrong. This isn't a DFS game that I like. From just at, at, from a either way, like you said, an under maybe. I mean, they stacked up pretty well in the box score with Tampa last week. They had uh, 20, 21 first downs. Tampa had twenty five. They had three hundred eighty total yards. Tampa had four twenty five. They actually won the time of possession by over five and a half minutes. Matt Ryan was thirty for forty one, two hundred ninety seven yards, solid, but no real big plays. They ran the ball pretty well as a team. Twenty three carries for one hundred twenty yards, five point three yards per carry, but they got shut out in the second half. And I, I will uh, say this. That pick six that defensive lineman made for Atlanta. That's a great play. That is one of the best plays of the year. That's a great I mean, play. And that all comes from that kid studying film, knowing what's going to go on. You can tell right there, because I believe that guy's a second year, maybe a rookie. That guy's going to have a long-ass career and be a successful player in the NFL for him to make that play in that situation. Um, and, I mean, I was on the Falcons plus 12. I knew I was in trouble when they're on the one-yard line. And they had a chance to take the lead and they had to settle for three right there is when I knew I should, I, I said to myself, I'm like, you should hedge out of this and take the bucks, but I still let it ride. And that, that was my mistake. Let's move along to Seahawks Texans. So you and I uh, are going to record a segment for your show where we talk about some futures to play, maybe teams to make the playoffs or not to play, make the playoffs. And there is one that I'm going to get a little bit insane with. I already played a few bucks on it. I'm not telling anybody to go bet millions, but let's take a look. And and for me, it's more than about this game, right? Seattle is a, an eight and a half point favorite on the road here playing the Texans. Now, Seattle could lose this game. They're not. It's not as if Seattle is a fantastic team this year. But what I like about Seattle right now is I'm looking at their schedule the rest of the way. Now, Seattle's got a game like this where they're going to be an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Following this game, they play the Rams at the Rams. After that, they have home games against the Bears and the Lions. Their final game of the year is at Arizona in a situation where Arizona may be, have, may be sitting their players, maybe resting guys. They may have had have locked down for a number one seed and a bye. This is a, a spot where... Russell Wilson is not the type of player that's just going to curl up in a ball and stop playing. He's too corny. He's just not that kind of guy. He actually played better last week. He still doesn't look like he's completely back to himself, but he played a lot better last week. You look at this team and four wins has them in the conversation. Five wins winning out absolutely has them right there and probably in. Based on the teams that are around them Th- that That's what it comes down to for me It's not as much of oh I, I love Seattle And I think they're a great football team They you know It's that maybe Russ is just going to be able To get a little bit healthier Each week it's that they don't have A strong schedule the rest of the way We've seen them do this before at the end of the year When they go on a run at the end Against a weak schedule And, and look at the teams Around them who they're going to be competing with It's the Falcons, the Panthers, the Eagles, it's the 49ers, it's the the, the Vikings who are playing well right now and, and looking like they're going to get a big win. But those are all teams that I'm not scared of. They don't terrify me. This is plus 1950 for Seattle. They're going to be a, a minus 
They're a minus 300 favorite here They'll probably be a plus 250 to 300 dog Against the Rams And then they'll be minus favorites On the money line in both of the next two games After that and then who knows what's going to happen In the final game So I'm going to get a little crazy And play uh, a, a future on them to lock it in I always like to have a little lottery ticket uh, It's you know the Texans I have a, a hard time I know you're going to give a good stat about uh, teams after playing against the 49ers Which is going to uh, stack up well here I just There are two teams this year Eric that I can't play For at least two more weeks I've told myself And it's the Jags and the Texans And the gamblers that we are We generally want to play these teams Because the lines end up getting so huge They end up getting so undervalued That it's always Worth it at that big of a price but Man I just I can't do it with Davis Mills this week I can't do it with what I've Seen from them lately I'm off the Texans, and uh, I think Seattle might have a shot to to string a few wins together here. Yeah, and you make a great argument. I totally get it. We have to remember, I like a couple weeks ago, I said like I had them in a situation. I think it was when they played the 49ers the first game. I said to take them at plus twelve hundred to make the playoffs, and I was looking at the same stuff you were. Um, this was supposed to be the game that Russ is back. When he first injured his finger. So we have to assume that his finger is going to be 100% healthy. Um, no Jamal Adams, though. Jamal's done for the season. Um, looking back at that trade, it's kind of mind boggling that they traded two first rounders and a third rounder for Jamal Adams. You know what I mean? Like, that's such a bad trade in my eyes. Um, I know. Those kill your franchise. Those kind of things kill you. Um, looking at this, uh, the stat is teams after playing the 49ers are one and 11 straight up in their next game, which is mind boggling to me. I don't know. So with that trend, Oh my God, I'm so tempted to play the Texans, but I'm going to have to sit. I, I don't know. I'm going to talk to my friend who's dating one of the players and see if she can get some Intel about how, how Russ is looking this week. But um, yeah, right now this is just a pure stay away from me, but with the way my head works and everything, even if Long Neck Mills is playing, I'm gonna, which it looks like he is, I'll probably be on the Texans. Yeah, it was a, it was the first time, and 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 I would never lay. I'm for the record, that's why I'm talking about the future bet because I would never lay this many points with Seattle on the road like that ever in a game like this. If you like them and you think they're gonna win this game easily, one thing that Eric and I have tried to kind of. Um, you know, hammer home through the last couple of years is find out find the best way to play them value wise. There's so many different ways you can play props, you can play team totals, you can play individual player props, or you can look around like we did right, like I did right there with futures. Eric was doing it with the Eagles a couple of weeks ago. It's it's not even about if they win or not. It's just finding the best way to try to get some value off of uh, off of your you know your analysis. So yeah, first time that Seattle scored 21 points in a game since week eight. They still don't have much of a run game That's concerning Gerald Everett last week He had three turnovers He dropped the pass in the red zone That ended up bouncing up to be caught by the 49ers defender He turned a touchdown into a turnover Then he fumbled the ball away Instead of scoring And when they and putting the ball in, uh, beyond reach And allowed the 49ers to have a chance to run, the, uh, uh, to run a drive and tie the game If he doesn't turn the ball over They probably win that game like 40-16 to 16. Um, Now they're quietly... Up to the number 10 rushing defensive DVOA They only allowed 71 total rushing yards last week On 25 carries To a a really good San Francisco team That runs the ball well And has a a very good uh, offense So this defense isn't as bad As I thought they would be And it's 
I mean, this is a game they're supposed to win. If it, I would never lay this number. Like I said, it comes down to would you want to play the Texans plus the eight and a half at home because that's ripe for a, a backdoor. I I just I look at this team, Eric, and um, I played them a few times this year. They had 141 total yards on 11 drives last last week. They picked Tyrod's up. looked awful. Like dude, I don't know he, what the hell is going. He might on. be hurt because he he looked really solid at the beginning of the year, and since he's come back from the injury. He was 5 of 13 for 45 yards He took 2 sacks He only had 3 carries for 15 yards Then Mills came in He was 6 of 14 for 49 yards He took 2 sacks He had 2 carries for 11 yards As a team they had 57 net yards passing um, So there, there have been 6 times this year Where they've scored less than 10 points yeah. Since week 5 They've scored 3-5 They scored 22 in a game against the Rams when they were down 38 to nothing and they scored 22 points in the last 8 minutes of the fourth quarter. That were all garbage. Then they scored 9. They scored 22 points in that game against the Titans when the Titans had 5 turnovers. They scored 22 points and they only had 190 total yards that game. And then 14 and then 0. Yeah. They're just they're so yeah. And the Colts are turning the ball over. Like the I know. Gave them it was a flat spot for them. To, it was the spot that stuff. it looked like. And they just, yeah, I don't know. I like, for me, it's Texans or nothing. Absolutely. No doubt about it. It's just made it so hard for me to back them because we've seen for them and the Jags this year what makes it bad for some of these bad teams. Like, look at the Lions. They're not winning a lot of games, but they're eight and four against the spread. Yeah. This year. Like, that's what you're supposed to do if you're a really bad team because. Other teams come in, they take you for granted They don't think much of you, they play a little Flat, and then you just keep it close And for some reason, even with The flat spots that other teams have had The Texans have had such a tough Time doing anything at all As uh, we move Along to uh, Lions Broncos here I mean, this game is 10 Well, here it is 22 players Either have for the Lions or, or yeah. the COVID so and you they were no out partying they after they yeah. got they won the Super Bowl last week. Everybody went out and was partying in Detroit, Eric, huh? So I yeah, and like and, and rightfully so. Like I said, I tweeted it out. I got so many congratulation text messages. For like and from people I haven't talked to in years. Eric man, the you know, I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they won the super it, it was mind boggling to me. Like, hey man, congrats. I'm like, I it was hilarious. I, like I have never gotten so many congratulations on a on a on a, one of my teams winning before, and like when Michigan State won the national championship way back when, when the Wings were having their run, nothing. But here, I got a text, a ton of text messages. Um, but yeah, end of the day, like we know nothing here about who these players are or what room it is. Is golf? I mean, I heard it was offensive line room. But I don't. That's not confirmed yet. So with it being so many questions of who it is, you you can't do anything. You know what stay I mean? Away, you, you don't. Stay you don't away. Know what's going on? We'll talk yeah. about this game on Sunday on Fourth and uh, and Fourth and Inches. If you want to hear more, yeah. remember we always have that Fourth and Inches show on Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern time. So any of these games that we talk about, how you know we can't play them right now as we record this on Thursday night by Sunday morning, we're gonna have a lot more information. So maybe the numbers will move to a point where we. You know, we feel like we should play it or uh, or it's still a stay away. We'll let you know a little bit better then as we move to the Giants Chargers. And and this game, I mean, just right off the bat, I can't 
back the Chargers at minus 10 with some of their issues that they have. They're going to be missing both Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. I, I think they're still the better team. But on the Giants side, we may not even know who the quarterback's going to be. We have really no clue. Right? It might be Glennon. It might be Fromm. Um, but on the flip side, though, like um, Allen is vaxxed. So he could play if his tests quick, come back. Quickly. Yeah, so he could, I mean, if he gets 10, a negative test Saturday, yeah, he could play. Like ten is the number that I would that I would be okay with playing the Giants. Ten and ten and over. Um, because that's variables. I, I mean, I'm not excited about playing the Giants, but tell us a little bit about your thoughts here. I locked in the ten and a half, and here's why: a) there's COVID issues for the Chargers. We don't know who's going to be there, and um, them not having Keenan Allen. He's an explosive player. This guy is so productive. It is insane. Um, I listened to one of his scat, stats I, I read, and I'm, I'm spacing on it right now. But when you look at his production, he is one of the most productive players in the NFL. Him not being there is a huge loss. Um, Mike Williams potentially not being there, huge loss. Eckler's banged up. Um, so that has me a little worried about the Chargers offense. Uh, excuse me, the Chargers offense. Giants defense, you know what? It's not that bad. They do create no, some not. pressure. Def- I mean, like, I really feel like if this team gets, like, a pass rusher in the draft, like the kid from Oregon or um, Hutchinson from Michigan, this is going to be a legit de- defense. They're they're just lacking that elite pass rusher right now. I like their defense. And well, the one thing the Chargers can't do is what? Defend the run. By... Jake Fromm being in there, I think it actually helps the Giants because it's going to force them to run and attack, attack the attack the one. This has got to be a so Barkley game. This, this has got to like, be this. I like my thing is this is the week you put Barkley in your DFS lineup. If he doesn't do it this week, he's effing done because this mm-hmm. is the best matchup he is ever going to have in his career. Yep, you have a good running team. They have a good zone blocking team against a team that really doesn't defend the run. Team's the worst in the league defending the run. So I have to take the Giants here. I locked him in the 10 and a half. This probably isn't going to be a money line sprinkle for me. I'll probably just take the 10 and a half mm-hmm. and run with it. And you got to look at it like this. So um, Jones started when it was announced, when it was going to be Jones, the Dolphins game was at two and a half. Okay. And then Glennon came in and it ballooned up. That thing got up to seven. I played that game at seven last week because I don't really feel there's five and a half points of difference from Glennon to Jones. No. Now this game, this game opened up at about a seven and a half at eight. You're telling me there's two points of difference between two and a half points of difference between Mike Glennon and Jake Fromm and whoever and anybody, you know, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. and when I, I was listening to one podcast earlier today and someone made a great point, when was the last time you bet the giants because of their quarterback? No, you know what I mean? So, I mean, it's just, it's just a good spot. Good matchup. I'll take the inflated lane here. And the the Chargers are going to be making a playoff push. They just may sit, sit some people down. Could be a great backdoor. I'll t- I'll take the Chargers here. Excuse I'm me, not sure if you mentioned before Bosa was out or, or like yeah. had some issues too. You know, keep an eye on him. So last week the Giants had a couple wide receiver drops. There was a weird play at the end of the first quarter where they went to they were like rushing to to run a play before the end of the first quarter, and then they took a timeout. Like right before the end of the first quarter, and then they ran a play. It was like, why don't you just let the clock run out and just figure out what you're going to run your play to start the second quarter? It was like it was like a wind thing, but there was nothing going. It was bizarre. It was like, 
okay. Um, so they were trailing 10 to 6. They had three straight drives that ended in punts, one of them on fourth and two in Miami territory. I mean, they had opportunities right there. They had, um, you know, they kept the game close. It was 10 in the fourth quarter. It was still 10 6 before the Dolphins ended up going on a touchdown drive there. And at one point, Glennon takes a 13 yard sack. They had to take a timeout to avoid a delay of game penalty. Then he takes a seven yard sack. Then they get a delay of game penalty, and it was third and 33. It was like it's just brutal. what the hell just happened? But they were still pretty close and right in there. And and the thing about the Chargers, so they come off a game where it was a, a win where they scored a lot of points and they were up big early. I mean, they were up 24 to nothing, and then it was 24 to 22. Now they got a couple things that really went their way. First off, the Jamar Chase uh interception. He's gone for a touchdown. He bobbles the ball and it goes into the Chargers defender's hand and they get an interception. Chargers end up going down and scoring a touchdown there. That's a 14 point swing right there. Then when the Bengals come all the way back and it's 24 22, the Bengals are driving. They've got all the momentum in the world. I mean, I was, as someone who backed the Chargers there, I was like, I'm done. We're done. The Bengals looked like they they were going to go on and win that game by like 10 points. And then Mixon fumbles the ball and the Chargers return it for a touchdown. And all of a sudden they're up eight and then the game just flips back their way. There were like a couple huge plays that ended up making that game look a little bit better than it was for the Chargers. I mean, Herbert was awesome in that game. And I love that they took a lot more shots down the field, but now they don't have the receivers. It was like, oh, great. They did what we we were hoping they would do. But now those guys may not be here this weekend. So, you know, it's like we said, I can't back the Chargers at this number or a 10, 10 and a half, anything like that with all those uh, with all those variables. So definitely lock in the Giants here if you can get that double digit number. 49ers, Bengals, Eric. And uh, we have the 49ers at a one and a half point favorite here. Tell us uh, a little bit about this game. This is another one of those bets we gave out. We gave out the over of 47 and a half. That is ticked all the way up now to 49. Um, the reason I like the over is you have to be able to score in the end zone, in the red zone. These are the two of the three highest red zone converted, red zone success rate of, in terms of scoring. 49ers being one, Bengals being three. So both these teams, when they get in the red zone, they know how to score. Um, so that's why I like the over. Um, I just think this is just going to be a high-scoring game. Um, there's a lot of sharp money coming in the 49ers. This opened up at 49ers getting two. Now the 49ers are laying one and a half. I love taking these small home dogs, but a lot of money by well-respected groups is what moves a line that much. So that's mm-hmm. why I'm a little hesitant to take the Bengals. Maybe I'm just overthinking it right now and not going with everything. But yeah, you have, no, no, you I, have, you you're right. I mean? Like you're right. So, I mean that 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 has me a little worried. I really feel like you and I got a great position this over. Not forcing the play, stick back, play the over. And who knows? Like if this balloons out in the first half and the score is like, let's say hypothetically like a 24-17. And I mean the second half opens up at 28, 27. I would look to take I would look to take the second half under just because the second half the possessions get a little bit more limited. But yeah, with that much money, that much line movement, I'm sitting out the total. I'll just I'll just take the over. 
when um do so as of now when we're recording, what do we know about Debo? Debo right now he's out. And okay, also so, like something else to remember, Hasty is the only healthy running that's, back right that's, now. That's and that's what scares me for them. They they're in some trouble right now. And and I'm I'm gonna lock in the Bengals on the money line here. Um, a, a couple reasons why. So the 49ers, they had some offensive line struggles in the run game. There weren't any running lanes last week. Watching it back, they were being controlled at the uh, the point of attack by Seattle and their defensive line. The special teams was really bad. Uh, there was a fake punt that they end up letting score for a touchdown. They miss an extra point, and in the first half, um, they uh, they open the um, they open the second half fumbling away the kickoff return. They only ran the ball for 71 yards on 2.8 yards per carry, and I think no Debo really does hurt them offensively because if you think about their offensive weapons now, they've got Kittle, but they don't really have any other receivers. It's like Ayuk, and they haven't really been very high on him. And and then if if the rest of your backs aren't anything more than just you know replacement level running back You know you got Jeff Wilson there Who you know possibly who knows with him And he's just he's not fast he's, at all He's, he's so fucking slow like, He's just I don't guy He's just guy to run between the tackles You know um, Mitchell is actually A good player but he, I don't think He's gonna play he's been he's got the concussion To deal with and he just had and, an MRI On his leg like I, I read that yeah. Before he started recording so So yeah, they, they got the benefit of the doubt early In the game with Seattle fumbling a ball to the 49ers, they got it on the Seattle 24 They only had to go one play to score a touchdown So that was a gift that they got I mentioned all those Gerald Everett Fumbles that they and, and the turnovers that they Ended up getting And they're currently the number 7 seed So they're playing for their playoff life They're a half game ahead of Philly, the 49ers Now on the Bengals side They have just been such the Jekyll and Hyde team And in the previous game We were talking about the Chargers and why they May be a little bit overinflated Because of that game for the same reasons I think the Bengals might be a little undervalued Coming off of that game Where you know they gave up a bunch of points But a couple of those things Were really fluky it wasn't like the defense's Fault that Chase Had that bad interception and gave the ball back to the Chargers It wasn't the defense's fault that Mixon fumbled that ball and gave the the Chargers a, a score there The Bengals went fumble Interception, punt, punt on their first four drives, and they're down twenty. They're down twenty-four, nothing. And then they score twenty-two straight points, and it's second and two at the Chargers' thirty-four with thirteen minutes left in the game. They're just moving the ball. They flip the entire script. They fumble the ball, and it's returned sixty-one yards. And the Chargers go up thirty to twenty-two. They had more first downs, they won the time of possession But they had four turnovers And they had seven penalties, which is unlike them Because they were the least penalized team coming into last week That that crew that they had last week That was a bad ref crew um, On one of the that, that one drive I mentioned with Chase and the 14 point swing Burrow was pretty good A couple interceptions, he was sacked the season high Six times, you gotta keep an eye on him with the finger But from what I was reading, he looked Pretty okay at practice Today, and when he was out there The three drop passes, those hurt him I'm leaning Bengals. I locked in on the money line. Look for the best number that you can get on the Bengals. See, I totally, see I, I, I agree with you in that the this the money scares me moving that much, but I think there's enough in the handicap of the game to lead me still to not worry that much about all the sharps and, on the other side. You know, I I could be on the Bengals too. You know, I mean, like right now, like we're recording this Thursday. This is kind of like a dead period, like. I'm starting to find like the public betters come in like Friday, Saturday. That's when stuff starts to move a little Especially bit. Especially this weekend with no college. Yeah. 
There's no yeah, college this weekend, you know. I'm just gonna set up an alert on my phone. You know, if this gets to like a two or a three, I mean, goddamn, if this gets to a three, this is gonna be a hammer for me. But I mean, come Sunday when we recorded on fourth and inches, I'll probably stand on the Bengals. But as of right now, it's just the over. Let's go, Bills, Bucks. The final three games on the Week 14 slate. Huge game here for Buffalo. They are a three and a half point underdog on the road in here. So the Bills. Everybody saw them on Monday night in that game with the wind, with the snow. They couldn't move the, uh, they couldn't run the ball, and they couldn't really stop the run enough. Now, again, all that being said, they had opportunities to win that game. They did. It wasn't like they got blown out there. They made like one mistake defensively and let Harris break one. And they, I was the most disappointed, I think, Eric, in that game with with McDermott. And not even with the Bills on the defensive side, because they actually did a pretty good job. You know, deep, they didn't allow Harris to like run all over them or, or New England to run all over them. They just offensively, where was Josh Allen? Why aren't why aren't you using him as a weapon in this game to run the ball 10, 15 times? I, I, that's what I didn't understand, because I get if you don't want to do that every game throughout the year, right? You don't want Josh to take a bunch of hits Every game all year sure But in this game you know you don't Have much else of a running game You got to put the ball in his hands a little Bit more and and have him Roll out have him try to make guys miss You know it's hard Defensively when there's wind and it's slippery It's a little bit easier to be the offensive guy To initiate it because then everyone's got to react To you that that I think was the Most disappointing and I don't know if I Like you know what they said After the Press conference about oh don't give Belichick All this credit and a lot of the Bills players were Talking trash now I don't know if I like That for, for when they play the Patriots Again I do think this is going to be a Really this is a huge spot for The Bills the fact that I'm getting The hook is why I like the Bills In this spot the fact that it's three and a Half and the fact that everything The Bills do well Will actually fit much better against the Bucks they can throw the ball Tampa's secondary is not incredible the Buffalo will be able to do a lot of the things that they couldn't do as much last week in this game. And hell, they got to win this game. And they got to play as well as they can to try to win this game because they got the Patriots coming up again right afterwards. And if they lose, they lose these two games, they're in some serious trouble, which is, I, I think, one of the things you were talking about for a possibility of them missing the playoffs. I just feel like for the spot for them, it's a it's a really great spot. For them with the matchup with the way these two teams shape up I actually locked in earlier in the week right um, right away I was kind of sniffing around and I saw a 52 on this total and I locked it in And this has actually crept up now to 53 and a half because I just think these two teams are both going to be able to score quite a bit on each other Yeah I mean I think this is going to be a track meet um, my, my thought about this is A the Belichick comment let's just look back at this guy um, For those who don't know um, when the Giants stopped San Francisco's run, he was the guy that changed their defense to stop Joe Montana, one of the best quarterbacks ever. He was the Tom Brady in the 80s, I'd say, for those listening. Um, he was the one that came up with the concept to stop him. He was the coach for the only Cleveland, for the last Cleveland Browns win. Okay, last Cleveland Browns playoff win, excuse me. This guy, his game plan was, we're going to play 1940s football and we're going to beat you. And that's what he did. So, I mean, you you can't just disrespect the guy. Like not that. at all. Not so, at all. I mean, that shut was, up. Just shut up. Don't say anything. Like, you screwed just, up. You screwed it up. It reminded me of one of the kids I coach. A million excuses why you lost. 
You lost, yep. sack up, and move on. Yep. But with that being said, I think they got utterly embarrassed. Um, Fournette's going to be such a chalky play in DFS. Total stay away from me. Um, this Bucks defense, they're good stopping the run, but the Bills don't want to run the ball. When you and I did your pre-show for the preseason, my comment was, the Bills have to run the ball. There's going to be games that they lose because they can't run the ball, and that was the game. Um, with the way the Bucks play defense, they play this zone defense, um, you know, Easley's going to be able to find the holes in it. Sanders is going to be able to find the holes in it, and it's a great matchup. Perfect weather down in Tampa, sunshine, whatever. I want to take the Bills, but I'm going to wait a little bit until I can get a better number. I think this can trip up to four. Yeah, and as soon as over three is when I jumped in on it, I don't think it's going to go the other way. Um, so you, I think you can probably wait. It'll, it'll be. It doesn't feel like this is a number that would get under the the, the three for sure. Uh, but it spot wise, I mean, this is this is the the spot for the Bills. It really, really is the you know a couple things to look at. The the I think their best performance this year was against Kansas City when they beat them thirty eight to twenty in that game. Josh Allen eleven carries for fifty nine yards. That's the thing is with Josh and with Lamar. And with Kyler and all of them, what makes them awesome and really good and what makes them so valuable is the fact that they can run the ball so well themselves and actually make some throws that they can do both. If they're not doing both, they become a lot easier to defend. And then and then like Josh has a strong arm. But he's not pinpoint accurate. Kyler has a a pretty good arm, and Lamar we've seen does it, Lamar's arm. While it looked like it was getting better at the beginning of this year, has been one of the worst in all of football in the last four or five weeks. So you gotta do what those guys do well. Those extra wrinkles. I know you don't want to run them all the time, but now is the time when you have to. These games matter now. If he's not out there running and he's not out there making plays, you're not gonna win. And I mean, there was a, a big mistake that Hyde made on the pursuit angle that that allowed Harris's long touchdown run. It was second and goal at the Patriots six, and then Josh Allen took a sack. Those are two things that you know maybe end up costing them the game last week. How about Brady? <laughs> Brady last week, he threw the ball nineteen times in the first quarter. He ended up thirty-eight for fifty-one for four touchdowns, three hundred sixty-eight yards, and that bad interception. You mentioned it was a great play, but it was like. What the hell are they throwing the ball there? Yeah. It was 20 to 10 heading into the end of the half with 22 seconds left. And they just decided to throw the ball. Ended up getting intercepted the, with a really heads up play. Um, Fournette, like you mentioned, is someone who pro- people will probably lean on. But I mean, he's had a really good year. Godwin had 15 catches for 143 yards on 17 targets last week. But on the Bills side, anything over the three. Yeah, nah, I'd be locked in that over too. I mean, yeah. it's gonna click. It's gonna keep going up because that numbers. This is a game that people are gonna want to play the over on. But I, I, I saw it. I was looking around. Fifty two was the lowest I could find. I jumped on on it there, and and I'm I'm glad I did because it's already ticked up. A, and a, I mean, a, betting's all about buying teams where they're at the lowest, and this is basically the lowest you're gonna get the Bills all year. Yep. So I mean, and if not, yeah. they just suck and they lose this game, and then that's fine, and you move on, and you just kind of reevaluate where you had them stacked up. But if you still think they're still a like a a solid team, and you think about the matchup and some of the things that their strengths versus the weaknesses of Tampa, this should be a really good matchup for them to to come out and play kind of pissed off after what happened last week. 
Oh, exactly. Exactly. I'm going to be on the Bills, too. I'm going to hope I can get a four, but if it just hangs at three and a half, I'll just lock it in then. Let's get to Sunday night football. We got the Bears versus the Packers here. So it does look like it's going to be Justin Fields starting in this game. And man, I think some of the more frustrating games, and again, this is not nothing to take away from the Cardinals, but I think some of the more frustrating games that I've bet this year and lost have been the games, uh, some of them against the Cardinals, some of the games that the Cardinals have covered, like this one last week against the Bears, where the Bears gave away 23, 24 points off of four interceptions and they just destroyed themselves. Two of their first four passes for Dalton were interceptions. They ended up with more first downs, 26 to 14, more total yards, 329 to 257, more time of possession by nine and a half minutes. But the four turnovers and the 23 and the 20, I think it was 23 or 24. Exactly. I can't remember if they, one of the extra points went through, but all those extra points off of turnovers, that's the difference in the game. Nobody's winning a game when they, when you do that. No, I mean, they just, they gifted them that game. I mean, they, they gave them that game on a silver platter. And I just don't understand, like, you have, imagine having a Super Bowl winning quarterback on the sidelines, and you have a starter who's struggling, who obviously doesn't have it, and you say, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to stick with Andy Dalton. I mean, like, (sighs) Nagy's got to go, man. Like, I said it, like, when we talked last week, they're chanting fire Nagy at high school basketball games here. I mean, it's just it's just mind-boggling to me. Um, in terms of in terms of this game, my what what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna see if Akeem Hicks is playing. Akeem Hicks is one of the best interior linemen in the game, and we need to remember that the Packers were losing 10-0 to the Bears, and then Hicks went down, and the game completely flipped, and the Packers came back to win that game. Um, so I'm going to see if Hicks is playing. If Hicks is playing, I'm definitely lock, going to lock in the Bears. It's sitting about 12 and a half, 13. Um, definitely like that number. Uh, also, something else to remember: the last play, Rogers scored, gave the discount double check, and then sell. Like, what do you yell? I still own you. Yeah, I own you. I own you. Or I'm, you're yeah. telling me that's not going to be up. Like, they're going to go hard. Come it's on, a right? Televised game. They got it. Divisional game. I know Nagy's only has like one cover and I think he's like one in seven, one in six ATS when the line is like this high. But you know what? You just got you got to take the Bears here, man, especially if Hicks plays. If Hicks plays, I if Hicks plays, I could sprinkle the money line. But the Bears were they were legitimately winning that game until Hicks went down. And yeah, so think about a couple of their games that game. Think about the game against Pittsburgh that they should have won, that they got just robbed with with the horrible calls. Um, and then the game last week where, like, I'm not going to say they were going to beat the Cardinals or anything, but they absolutely were going to be in a much closer game. Kyler Murray was a little bit off. He looked a little rusty like we thought. They weren't very sharp there. They just had, I think, tw- like the easiest drives over and over and over to score. And if Chicago can just not hurt themselves repeatedly, even if they do once or twice and not four or five times, You'll probably be in okay shape to cover this game here. That's 12 and a half. I mean, all you need is to be down by 17 late and score some garbage. Exactly. Exactly. Just need that garbage touchdown. I mean, you look at the Packer and also like you look at the Packers schedule, they beat the Lions, they beat them by more than 13. Um, the Seahawks, they beat them 17-0. And there's one other team, oh, the um football team. 
they won 24 to 10. Those are the three teams that they won't beat by over 13 points. So it's not like it's a team that's going to just bury them. You know, they're, they run the ball more than people realize. So that it's such a big number, such a divisional game, interdivisional game. Two of the, like, arguably the best rivalry in the NFL. I mean, these two teams, even when they're bad, play good games. So I'll, I'll be on the Bears. I'm going to wait, though, to see if I can get a better number, though. Let's get to Monday Night Football. We've got the Rams at the Cardinals. Rams are two-and-a-half-point underdogs here. Arizona is a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. They played earlier in the year. Remember, the Rams were coming off that big win against Tampa, and they played the flattest spot ever uh, against Arizona there, and Arizona took care of them. But everything sort of went wrong for the Rams there. Now, they haven't been playing all that well as of late, but – they did something last week that I think is really important and something that you were harping on for the, what the Rams had not been doing recently. They ran the ball much better last week. 27 carries, 128 yards, 4.7 yards per carry. 24 of those were Sony Michelle. And it just make it opens things up a little bit more. You don't have to force everything to Cup, who ended up having a great game. You know, he was the first player in NFL history with at least 100 catches and 10 receiving touchdowns in his team's first 12 games of a season. He had eight catches, 129 yards. Three of them went for over 15 yards, and Stafford had no turnover-worthy plays for the first time this year. And, uh, no no turnover-worthy plays, and uh, I think this is the first time since week seven. And for play action, he was excellent, finished the game with five big-time throws, and he earned a season-high passing grade from pro football focus. I mean, they dominated. 418 total yards to 197, 6.3 yards per play to 3.6. It felt like a good get-right game for them. And we were just talking about how Arizona has a few games when you start to look and you dig in that maybe that that game was a little bit closer than it looked. Maybe that game could have flipped. And so – This is a little bit of playing the Rams, a little bit of playing, thinking that Arizona might be just a tad overvalued still. And, you know, even coming off of last week's game where I don't think they looked all that great, but they benefited from the Bears just giving them the ball over and over and over. It was a perfect game for Murray because he only had 123 yards passing, 21 dropbacks and just 15 passes. What was good is that he did run the ball 10 times for 59 yards, two touchdowns. As a team, they ran the ball. 35 times because they were up Throughout most of it and They scored 33 points On 257 total yards And just 14 first downs That's all they had They had four scoring drives Of 28, 15, 28 And 12 yards for a total of 24 points Give me the Rams here uh, Rams little money line action too. That's that's where I'll sprinkle Now I, I played the money line Because I'm not sure do you think this clicks up, or do you think this kind of steers right around here? I think we beat the number. I mean, you gave it out on um, on Sunday. You said yeah. take the three now. The next day, I clicked down to two and a half. I don't think yeah. we're going to see that number. And yeah, if, if you do, I think it's going to be gone like rather quickly. I think you know we got a great number here. I love the three here. Um, Absolutely. For uh, the. Um, the one, th- the one thing that does worry about me is when I rewatched the Bears game against the Cardinals. This was the first game since Week 13 that um, of last year that Murray had double-digit rushing attempts. Exactly. So that I mean a- that yep. that that is a little worrisome to me, but you know they just caught them in a great situational spot. You know, like you said, coming off that big win, and I think they were kind of undervaluing the cards. Everyone kind of respects the cards. 
they um they know what the cards are um you know that they're not going to catch them off like okay so they're not going to catch them off guard you know what i mean like they know they're this le- legit team mm-hmm. um and i really think like you know with mcveigh getting back to the run hopefully you realize this is the best running this was the most rushing attempts they've had this whole year and i really hope that he sees this and he goes with it a little bit more Take so. some of the pressure off of Stafford I think because just because you had this New toy who was better than Goff and who could do some things that Goff didn't Doesn't mean you have to to Do it all the time you know make it a little bit Easier on this guy and they Have the weapons to do so they have a good Offensive line there you know They can you know scheme things really well There so let's get the Rammies home on Monday night football And uh, we will Be Going live on Sunday right after the right before the Sunday night football game. So right after like 49ers, Bengals, and Bills, Bucks finish up, we will end up going live on Instagram Live. So give me and Eric a follow over there. And uh, we will also have that. Uh, if, you, if you don't catch it live, we'll replay it. Uh, we'll put the link back out afterwards so you can watch it and uh, try to catch some of those numbers early on. Maybe we can get on the right side of a couple. Again, that's always the goal. To be on the right side of those I'm going to join Eric on his podcast Also to talk about a couple futures That we may be looking at Some teams to make the playoffs Or teams not to make the playoffs And then fourth and inches on Sunday morning 11am eastern time Make sure to check us out on BTV Bets Or if you follow me on Twitter It's me Gino B That'll come up uh, on the uh, the link there So Eric buddy I'll be uh, talking with you on your podcast In just a little bit Looking forward to that I'm looking forward to it, man. You know, great weekend of football, Army Navy game, which is always one of my favorite games. You know, looking forward to making some money this weekend. Make sure to give Eric a follow at etoff21 on Twitter, and uh, you can catch all of his uh, his information there. He's always going to be posting it out, sharing stuff there. Thanks so much, buddy. We'll be talking to you again real soon. Sounds good. Talk soon. Do not go anywhere, folks. We still have plenty left to get into on this episode. That's what G said. Good luck everyone out there Big thanks again to Eric for helping us out Make sure to check out that podcast uh, of his Where I jump on and we talk about some futures to look at And then you can come hang out with us on Sunday morning When we go through uh, everything for the Sunday games And that's at 11am Eastern Time over on Twitter At BTV Bets Or it's me, Gino B Now we shift on over Let's start talking some horse racing Racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. 
one click to bet now and DRF bets, get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF pass performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts for replays if you get the formulator version and even on the classic past performances you get the home screen with horses with odds with buyers you get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph you can rotate your phone for the best view and any horse that you click on you'll see the running lines you can easily move from horse to horse the same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances you get an interactive format which is Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com better you want to spread your pony knowledge Download the Stable Duel app and play today. This weekend, the focus is over at Gulfstream. On Friday, your Stable Duel contest lineup has three different options for you at Gulfstream, including a free ride where the winner gets an entry into the big game on Saturday. There's a $5 game with $1,000 in prizes. The top five in that game get into the big game Saturday. And there's a $125 game with $2,500 in prizes. Charlestown has a $50 double up. Tampa Bay has a $2 game and a $100 double up. That is all on Friday over at Stable Duel. Saturday, you've got Charlestown with a $5 game and a $100 double up. You've got a free game over at Tampa or a $25 game there, but the focus will be over at Gulfstream Park. They have a $10 game with $1,000 in prizes, but a $150 entry, $10,000 prize pool in the Gulfstream Saturday game. And we will give you some help with Gulfstream Friday and Saturday races coming up here in just a moment. Finishing up the weekend for Stable Duel on Sunday, a couple of options at Golden Gate with a double up and a winner take all. And then there's a $5 game on Sunday at Gulfstream plus a $100 game Sunday at Gulfstream with a $3,000 prize pool. That is Sunday. This weekend coming up December the 12th, get those entries in and play race win. We're going to start jumping into our wagers for the weekend. We're going to go Friday Gulfstream, Friday Oaklawn, Saturday Gulfstream, Saturday Fairgrounds, Saturday Oaklawn. Two tracks for Friday, three for Saturday as we begin at Gulfstream Park. Get your past performances out for Friday. We are looking at 
December the 10th. And we're going to start in race number six, uh, look at races six, seven, and nine. Maiden 50 claimer here. You've got the two year old Phillies going a mile and a 16th on the turf course here. So the five hard to ignore did face open maiden special weights in back to back. So these are two year old Phillies, Florida bred or maidens claiming price of 50,000. Hard to ignore faced open at Ellis, faced open at Keeneland. And now we'll put two starts together for the first time. In her debut, she debuted going five and a half on the turf. Then in career start number two, the race was taken off the turf. It was on the main. She got caught in between horses early. Inside, she got shuffled back. She lost ground and she couldn't come on again. She had some really sneaky trouble in that race that you just don't really see in the running lines. And I love the fact that she's going to stretch out. She's going to go second off the bench. You have now two sprints, two a route. She's a little better than what it seems so far. The number five, hard to ignore. She's 8-1 to one on the morning line. Anything around 5-1 to will make a win wager there in the sixth at Gulfstream Park. We move to race number seven on Friday. We are taking a look at the number seven in here. Gatsby. Leo. Leo. So the way this race shapes up, Gatsby... Should probably get a pretty good trip from out there You'd imagine quick tempo is going to be flashing some speed You've got Nocturnal down inside Who may not even be quite as quick But with that draw He's going to probably be gunned you got Sagamore Mischief who's quick You've got Drain the Clock who's not going to be too far out of it And then you've got Gatsby with the outside draw Who's proven at Golfstream Who's drawn well He can sit off He's 6-1 to one on the morning line I have him stacked much more like a 7-2 to two shot in here Anything in that range will take a little swing with Gatsby Moving along to the ninth. So the 8th race I thought the 4 take charge row was probably going to be a tough Single in there so a lot of times If I skip over races or I don't mention much It's because I think they're probably going to be pretty formful Or I don't have a, a strong opinion or anything Really creative to uh, To tell you that Take charge row hooks a group that just doesn't have A whole lot of recent success and Even though we haven't seen him since seen her Since June she's not Really done a whole lot wrong in her career The ninth race at Gulfstream Park they will get on the Synthetic there I'm looking at the nine, my De Valentine, three-year-old filly. She tried maiden twelve five claimers at Gulfstream on the dirt, going six last time out. Now she's going to stretch back to the synthetic, where we saw two starts back her go longer on the synthetic. Now she is going to go second time for this barn. She gets off the rail, she stretches out. There's not a ton of early pace in here. She may just end up in a pretty forwardly placed spot here. My D Valentine, expect a better effort. In not the strongest race in the world, the number nine, who's eight to one on the morning line, anything around five will make a win wager there at Gulfstream on Friday. Good luck over at Gulfstream Park. Let's head from Gulfstream to Oaklawn. Get the past performances out for Oaklawn for Friday, December the 10th. Oaklawn Friday. Don't have to go too far for the first play. We'll just take a look at the number one in race number one. 20 claimers in here. I thought the one war detonator. If he breaks well from the rail, he could be pretty tough in here. So they were they claimed this one for 30 in March, won that day, since then has been in and protected, and now in with 20 claimers, hasn't raced since July, but catches a field without a ton of space and with uh, without a ton of pace. And with that inside draw, I think he's going to be forced a little bit. That's the number one war detonator. In race number one, six to one on the morning line. Anything around seven to two will make a win wager there. As we move to race number three, thirty-two thousand dollar claimers in here. 
I thought the three, when you start digging into this filly, she's pretty lightly raced with some upside. She hasn't done a whole lot wrong in her career, and this feels like a good spot for her to head into a barn who does very well with limited stock, a barn who's nice off the claim, and Chakra, I think, is very well spotted in here. Look towards the outside. It feels like Chakra, I don't think she's a horse who needs the lead. In fact, she's shown that she can kind of sit just off and press a bit and, and pass some horses, and I think that's the best trip for her. The number three, Chakra, 6-1 to one in the morning line, anything around four will make a win wager there. As we move to race number six on the Oaklawn Friday card, we have an allowance group in here. Three-year-old filly, six furlongs the distance. I thought the number five, Little Tootsie, looked like a standout in here. Little Tootsie is a a filly that we've seen in with graded stakes company before just two starts back in the Prioress. She was a a grade two third-place finisher, and, and she didn't run from September to November, came back in November and sat off the pace pretty nicely. She looks like the class of the field and the one they'll all have to hold off. She's 3-1 to one on the morning line. I'll treat her like a late exotic single. The eighth race at Oaklawn Park, you will see the return of a very, very nice sprinter, and that is Nashville. He draws the rail in here. This is a four-year-old who has not raced in almost a year. Last time we saw him was in the Malibu in 2020 when he finished behind Charlatan and Express Train. He showed speed that day and then faded. He was actually favored that day, and that was the first time he uh, he sniffed defeat. Nashville makes his return, and Nashville likely going to be very, very tough. Not a horse that we would be wagering on, but just one to mention because he's a nice one. Um, if he comes back and he looks good, I'm sure it will be on to stakes with him next. To the ninth race to close things out at Oaklawn Park. I thought the 12 was uh, interesting and maybe worth playing a few bucks to win. Up and coming star. I love the outside draw for this filly. She had a pretty good start in her career debut back in July. And then since then, she's just run into some really, really sharp ones. In career start number two, she was behind a horse named Strong Silent who came back to win a first-level allowance. Next out, then tried the grade two Raven run. You see Sarah Harper who came back to win a first-level allowance. Next out with an 88 buyer. You see the horse who was right behind that one, Smarmy, came back to win a maiden special weight. Next out on September the 26th, there were actually four next out winners. The eighth-place finisher won a maiden 75 next out. The tenth-place finisher won a maiden 40 next out. Both of them at Churchill. Then you got Surrealist and Temper Time, who both come out of that race to win next out. Temper Time beats up at Coming Star again on November the 21st. So she just continued to run into really, really sharp horses over and over. I like the outside draw. I like the fact that she's going to turn back from the, the mile and the longer sprint back to six furlongs with the speed, with that draw. It'll just give her a little bit more bottom and a little bit more punch. That's the number 12 up and coming star. Five to one on the morning line. Anything around seven to two will make a win wager there. That's Friday over at Oaklawn Park. Let's move from Friday to Saturday and we'll start at Gulfstream. So get your past performances out for Gulfstream December the 11th for Saturday. Going to take a look at races 4, 7, and 10. Saturday at Gulfstream, December the 11th. Fourth race is a maiden special weight race for two-year-olds. Six furlongs on the main track here. I like the three, Felix. This is a first-time starter. He's a two-year-old son of Cupid. 
out of the damn city by the bay. That dam was a five-time winner, five for 11. She earned $170,000. She won the first three starts of her career, so she showed some precocity. The lone sibling was three for five and a multiple stakes winner, so she produced a winner who also showed some precocity, winning three of just his five starts. The last five years, this barn is 16% first time out with a 197 ROI. Very, very good numbers for this barn. Felix with a steady tab. I think Felix should be interesting in here. Let's give the three a look. Felix, who is 8 to 1 on the morning line, anything around 5 to 1 will make a win wager on Felix in race number four. Let's move to race number seven. Maiden special weight, two year olds going a mile in here. The four practical way, if he's anything around three to one, seven to two, he's probably worth a win wager. In his debut, he was in a little bit tight inside. He had to back out of it and he got shuffled. He moved into contention, but he had to angle widest of all. It just wasn't a great trip. It wasn't a great ride there. Got action in the debut and should be pretty tough in here. I mean, the pleasure from the rail is is likely live. I thought the six street facts showed something in that debut, has shown a little more in the morning. That was on a muddy racetrack, should get a fast track to deal with. Street Facts, the number six, I'll be using along with the four in a lot of exotics in race number seven. We move to the 10th. I didn't think, it's. it feels like it's a contentious group, but it's not the strongest group in the world for the grade three Mr. Prospector. Is the two wind of change just the one to catch and beat? I think he's the one to catch. He's the, and he gets the inside draw. So I'll use the two in a lot of exotics. I don't know how good officiating is, but I do feel like he's going to get a nice setup in here and at probably one of the bigger prices in the field, I would at least use him underneath in exactas, tries, and supers to maybe fill out some of the bottom of your exotics and spice things up a little bit. He's 12 to 1 on the morning line. That is Saturday. Over at Gulfstream Park. Let's get you to Fairgrounds. They have a fun Louisiana bred stakes card. So let's take a look at the past performances for Fairgrounds. And let's flip to race number 6. So we're looking December 11th Fairgrounds. And we're flipping to race number 6 here. So we've got a lot of stakes races coming up after this. But this one is not a stakes. It's a good betting race though. I thought the two Crimson Feline who's 8-1 on the morning line. Anything around maybe Four to one or so, five to one would be a fair uh, price to to make a wager on. You just feel like she'll take a little step forward off of that effort last time out. She was kind of inside. She didn't get the smoothest, cleanest journey. She's really kind of right there and competitive with a lot of this similar group like Spider Legs. And she feels like the type who may get forgotten about a bit. And if she floats up and she's over 5-1, to one, make sure to throw her in your exotics. Put a few bucks to win on. The number two, Crimson Feline, we will use along with the four spider legs in a lot of the exotics there at Fairgrounds in race number six. Let's move to the seventh. We've got the Louisiana, Louisiana Champions Day Ladies Sprint. I thought the five in here overcharged is going to be the class of the field. So you've got Scylla, who is a grade two winner, two starts back. And then you've got Overcharged, who might actually be the one to beat. This is a really tough race for uh, $100,000 Louisiana bred stakes. I'm leaning Overcharged in here. I mean, this is a, a horse who's seven to five, so we're not going to be necessarily betting anyone to win. But if you if you had to lean between one or two of the, uh, the short-priced horses, I'm leaning five with the outside draw. 
in the eighth race. It's the Champions Day Classic. And I will go to the five in here. Also, I'd use along with the six who took the money if who took the money shows up in this spot. Unrestricted is sharp right now. Was third behind a next out winner last time. Two starts back came out of a really, really sharp group. And you just sort of know what you're going to get with Unrestricted. He's going to be forwardly placed. He can sit and pass some horses if he has to. He likes this racetrack. He's going to come back on the dirt after running on the grass for you know the last couple, but he's super capable on both surfaces. In fact, I actually think he's better on the dirt where he's won five of his uh, six career victories. Number five, Unrestricted, trying to get the job done in race number eight. They'll be going a mile and an eighth at fairgrounds. Let's get you to race number nine. We've got the Louisiana and a Champions Day Juvenile. I thought the five in here, Braun and Brow, the old Laker reference, blinkers on, first time Lasix. Looks like he's going to get a good amount of pace to chase in here. Grunt, Charco, Tambourine Star, you'd imagine they all want to be forwardly placed. You'd think True Deal, got my mojo working. They're going to probably be up close, so... I'll use the five, Braun and Brow, the six, Vodka Gimlet, and the eight, Unified Report, who should probably sit pretty nicely. But we'll look to play Braun and Brow if we can get anything in that seven to two-ish range, along with the six and the eight. Tenth race, it's the Louisiana Champions Day Sprint, six furlongs on the main track. I'm headed to the four, Sir Wellington, who just is coming out of some of the better races. He's faced open company. He had some legitimate trouble last time out. That was his first start since April, so he didn't race from April to November. Now he's going to take a big, big step forward in here. The number four, Sir Wellington, has speed, will likely be riding it early, but he can sit off and pass horses if need be. 8-1 to one on the morning line. Anything over 7-2, to two, we'd make a win wager on Sir Wellington. Heading to the Louisiana Champions Day turf in race number 11, mile and a 16th on the turf course. Carly's Dream is the one to beat, no doubt. But the horse who I really like in this race, and I will be making a win wager on, is Boudreaux Talking. Comes out of that open race last time out behind Newport Beach over at Remington on in October the in October on October the 9th. So he was inside towards the rear. He was only about five off, and there was no room. He was traveling well. He was in the third flight. The top two finishers in that race were 2-1 early, so there was not a lot of passing in that race, and he had nowhere to go. He was full of run, but he was buried inside. The number 10, Boudreaux talking 8-1 on the morning line. Anything around 4-1 will make a win wager there. Also use with the three, Carly's Dream. Final play at Fairgrounds for Saturday is the 6 in race number 12, I'm looking at Medley. Medley, who comes in off of the open win against Maiden Specials at Churchill Downs and overall has really good form in her four starts. Medley put it all together. She's stepping forward. She's improving. And now she's going to get to face Louisiana Breds after facing and beating Open Company last time out. Medley, the number six, eight to one on the morning line. Anything around five to one will make a win wager there. So that is a good card on Saturday at Fairgrounds with a lot of stakes and a lot of Louisiana breads getting to run for some big money. Good luck out there at Fairgrounds on Saturday as we head to Oaklawn for our final plays for Saturday. Get your past performances out for Oaklawn December the 11th. We're going to look at races 4, 7, 9, and 10 at Oaklawn. And in the 4th, we've got Maiden Special Weights, 3-year-olds and up, 6 furlongs the distance on the main track. The number five, League of Legends, is where I'm going to land. 
And when you go race by race through his career, you know, you can you can see, you know, it makes sense. There's a nice pattern there. Career start number one, he shows some ability. That was a loaded race behind a horse named Skull Factor. And League of Legends was a, a good second that day. Came back and just had trouble at Churchill going six and a half. After that, career start number three, ran into Yao Pon. That's a grade one winner, six for eight, multiple graded stakes winner. Prior to that, uh, following that, you go to Churchill Downs on November the 29th, a really nice third. Then you're off the uh, the bench from November to November. Had to need the last start. Second off, cuts back, proven over this racetrack, and he just has been surrounded by layoffs. He had to need that last race. Got to imagine he'll take a big step forward in here. That is the number five League of Legends. Anything around five to one. We'll make a win wager there as we move along. And we'll take a look at race number seven. So this is a an optional 80 allowance race. They're going to go a mile in here. The number six boss city is a horse who I was following uh, for a little while. I won a, a smaller stakes over at Indy in the slop last time out. This is a nice animal. He's just really sharp right now. He's in excellent form. I think it's a great spot for him. Spa City. The number six, he's nine to two on the morning line. Anything around three to one will make a win wager there. In the ninth race, it's the Poinsettia Stakes. $150,000, mile and a 16th. I'm looking at the two, Defeater as the Exotics single in here. Defeater can sit. Defeater has shown that he can put forth a big, big effort. And just looking at the way it's going to shape up, you know, I think myopic is the real key to the race because you have Flash of Mischief, who's quick, and then you have myopic, who's pretty fast. If myopic can push them and then Super Stock gets kind of caught up with them, it gives a horse like Defeater an opportunity who's going to want to launch from a lot farther back and needs a little bit of pace help. Saves all the ground and comes running. That's the number two Defeater. I will treat like a late exotic single here at Oaklawn Park on Saturday. Tenth and final, we head and take a look at the number six. Go for Sherry. She is twelve to one on the morning line. You look at some of her recent form. She was uh, behind a horse two starts back named Zanesville, who came back to finish second next out at Gulfstream Park at the Claiming Crown. Botswana, who was second in that race, has won two of three recently. PH Factor a few starts back and can't hide from me. Both came out of that race to win their next start. Go for Sherry was a winner last time out at Hawthorne and is just. Pretty sharp. Excuse the two-start back race where the horse stumbled behind Zanesville at Churchill. And you're left with some some good form overall. And this is the type of horse who may get kind of overlooked because some of the races don't look like they're as strong as others. But I'm telling you, they've come back to be very, very live so far. We're looking at the number six. Go for Sherry in race number 10 at Oaklawn. On Saturday, 12 to 1 on the morning line. I had him stacked more like a 6 to 1 shot in there. So anything in that range or over will make a win wager. That is Saturday racing. So best of luck. Unfortunately, earlier this week, we heard some bad news in the, the horse racing world. The Kentucky Derby winner this year, Medina Spirit, the horse who's been marred with controversy, everything going on. With Medina Spirit, with trainer Bob Baffert. We still don't know if the horse is going to end up being the official Kentucky Derby winner. Fortunately, Medina Spirit passed away out on the racetrack following a workout. And the information 
all came out on Monday. Andrew Champagne joined me earlier in the week on Tuesday to talk about uh, just we just kind of reacted. We still don't have all the information. It'll probably just trickle out little by little uh, here and there. But we just reacted, responded as fans and people who have you know put a lot of their time and money into horse racing and where we stood, sharing some of our thoughts, our opinions. You know, we're not vets. We don't know a lot of the specifics there, but we just talked about perception and uh, how how unfortunate it's been with a lot of negative things happening over the last couple years in racing. So Andrew Champagne joins me for a conversation about Medina Spirit. Very sad news out of the world of horse racing. This year's Kentucky Derby winner, Medina Spirit, only a three-year-old horse has uh, passed away. We are recording this conversation on Tuesday, December the 7th. All of the information uh, around Medina Spirit started coming out on Monday morning. Andrew Champagne, a good friend who you hear on this show many, many times, will be joining me right now. Andrew, I wish it was under better better circumstances that we uh, were having this conversation right now. Uh, thank you for joining me, though. Again, I always appreciate when you uh, when you're you know willing and able to come on to discuss some of these more serious, like, uh, real world kind of harder hitting topics and. No, I'm not a a vet and Andrew's not a vet. So for those of you who are listening, like right off the bat, we can get that out of the way. I don't think either one of us will try to discuss picograms or milliliters or certain things we like We won't. Gino, I spent all afternoon <laughs> studying it up, this right? stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, no, but Andrew, thanks for, note, for coming on, buddy. Right I appreciate yet. it. No problem. I'm happy to help and I'm happy that you brought that up. This is a case where, look, Gino and I are not vets. I I can't speak for Gino, but from an anatomy perspective, for a horse, I know there's a head in front, I know there's a rear end in behind, and I know you want an engine somewhere in there. But from the standpoint of being a fan, being a handicapper, being a content producer, it's an interesting prism, and it's that's the one that Gino and I can dissect this through. And everybody is dissecting this in their own way. You see vets dissecting this one way. You see horse people dissecting it one way. You see talking heads dissecting it one way. This is one of those things where everybody is going to have their own opinion based off of things they either believe or don't believe. And in this particular instance, my goodness, this could not have come at a worse time. It is just one body blow after another for the horse racing industry, given a lot of things that have happened, not just over the past few months, but the past few years. So the, you know, in, in horse racing, I think everybody that gets into the sport from a, a horseman, uh, probably even most people that work at uh, a lot of people that work at the racetracks um, are, are fans of animals. I mean, then when you'll have people that, you know, are gamblers and that are working on the gambling side, but I think, most people get into horse racing if they're going to be dealing with horses. You don't get into something that's uh, based around animals if you don't like animals, right? I, I think, like, I think that's pretty simple right off the bat. But what ends up happening, Andrew, is there afterwards, after the initial, no, the beginning. Once you get a little bit successful, once you start winning races, once you start making money, that's what always ends up coming to the forefront. We're all humans. We all get greedy, and I think. So many people forget what it's about. This is about the animal and the the forefront most important thing of all has to be the safety and the welfare of the animal. 
and there have been too many things recently now with the advent of the technology that we have. If you look at every sport, Andrew, everybody knows more and more about their body, about their training regimen, about uh, things to keep themselves safe of what they can do, how far they can push themselves. People are wearing meat uh, watches and bands that tell you your heart rate, this and that elevated. And it seems like as the rest of the world continues to progress with their studying of the human body of 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 technology of everything else horse racing stands pat or even goes backwards and we we joke about the horse racing as the best technology thing that's on twitter all the time but you look at uh just a comparison we we know so little compared to like somebody you're looking at i got the the lakers celtics are coming on in a few minutes it's on the background lebron pays millions of dollars to to have his body um every year looked at uh nourished and it's it's kind of crazy because we i think we forget you walk through some of the smaller back uh backside back stretches and it's just not it doesn't look like it's all about the horse there it doesn't look like the horses always come first and that that's unfortunate and maybe you know who Andrew, I think we've had uh, too many conversations like this on this show even where you've had to join for three or four different times where we've had to talk about something serious that happened, something, uh-oh, what's going to happen next? How is this going to look? And I don't know how many more of these things that horse racing can take, For quite frankly, these really bad public perception optics looks when a horse who – we don't know that the, the – this is what somebody who doesn't know horse racing – oh, Medina Spirit, I know that horse. That was the horse who got – Drugged in the Kentucky Derby this year that won Oh Bob Baffert I know that guy that's the trainer Didn't he drug him oh you know those are just The things you know you put them together That's what everybody thinks that's what everybody knows And sometimes it really doesn't Matter what happened it it really does Come down to optics I I don't know what we go Here moving forward I don't know what the next Move is what the next step is and How many times have we had this governing body Conversation you know Andrew through the years like We need to govern we all know that but Is it ever going to come so A lot of the things that you just hit on emphasize a lot of the things that make this situation so complex. And that is. And one thing, hold up. And just to know, if you're listening to this and you're someone who, if you're someone who's a a reader type or not, Andrew did a really great article on his uh, website, andrewchampagne.com, that we are probably going to hit on a lot of the things throughout our conversation that Andrew touched on. So these are. You know things that he wrote that we're going to probably Go uh, elaborate on a little bit more Here go check that out because you'll get a Little if if there's something that Andrew Didn't share in this conversation he probably Shared it there and if it's something there's a lot Of things that I read through that were hitting on the Same feelings that I had so didn't mean to interrupt You just wanted to get that out there before So go ahead we just we just wanted to get a cliffhanger Going the one thing is and there We go with the plug but no no, no. uh, no. All, All things aside it's a situation where a lot of different factors are all coming to a head right around the same time. And the sport that the two of us both love and that you love, probably, if you're hearing this, seems to have come up on the wrong end of it way too many times. And look, we can talk a lot about the reasons for horses not being quite as sound as they used to be. It goes into a far deeper discussion of breeding and training regimens and all of that stuff. I can speak to the marketing and public relations side of things. If I'm someone who has no idea about thoroughbred horse racing, has never been to a racetrack, after the past couple of years, what reason do I have to go to one? You don't. You don't. Exactly. And look, the couple of things that I can think of in pop culture that have happened, there was 
an astoundingly tone-deaf one-liner on an ABC show that I otherwise very much enjoy called Blackish. Yeah. Where someone died and Anthony Anderson's character said, wait, so-and-so is dead? And the kid, a teenager, goes as dead as a horse at the Santa Anita racetrack. That's one. Then you get something that happened this past spring after the Kentucky Derby news broke where Bob Baffert was made a subject of satire on Saturday Night Live's Weekend Update, and they talked about slaughtering horses and that comedy bit just for laughs. Obviously, as you can probably tell by the tone of my voice, I did not find that funny. But that is what novices know. And I, I don't find overly it overly familiar with the business. It, it, it's not that I, I I'm not like uh, defending the business, right? It, it doesn't bother me as like, a, oh, my gosh, you said something about horse racing and I'm in horse racing. It, no, it, it just wasn't it, funny. It wasn't funny. One. And it bothers me for the opposite reason. Like you were saying, like, that's what people think. I'm in horse racing. I don't think that's funny, a funny joke. But I'm like you. Like, I'm I'm someone who's in it. I've seen it. I've I've been in this industry. I've worked on networks. I've worked for different people in different capacities. I've been at the racetrack. I've literally heard the decisions being made. I've been in spots where I was reporting for people, uh, with people. I've interviewed people on air. I've seen people lie, BS, want to kiss my ass because I was someone that could had a microphone and was in a public spot. And then I've seen the other side of people when I wasn't in that spot anymore, tell me to kiss theirs just because I couldn't do anything for them anymore. Um, it is sad. You know, I, I, I needed you to come on with me cause I couldn't even have had done a segment. Like I'm, I'm to the point, Andrew, where I don't even really know how to Kind of explain my feelings all that well Right now because I'm it's like a combination Of things I think our buddy Barry Spears said Posted out a tweet where he kind of just said you know I'm Angry I'm I'm hurt I'm pissed I'm, And it's it's sort of like that like it's Just a yeah. combination of of all of these different Things and um And it's it's like what Am I supposed to say in some of this um Because I think we're talking about One specific situation right now with Medina spirit but what we're talking about is So much larger than this one indeed That's specific for situation sure. And, and yeah, the- you'll yeah, you'll look at this, this coming on the heels of an incident at Aqueduct, a series of incidents at Aqueduct, where arguably the best rider in the country put one rider over his horse, punched another rider's mount in a graded stakes race. You get the Peter Miller saga where Peter Miller says he's stepping away to focus on his family and turns up not two weeks later claiming horses at Oaklawn. Um, We get the modern games situation at Del Mar on Breeders' Cup Friday where there's no other way to say it other than betters got hosed. Even going back to 2019 with what happened at Santa Anita and the winter and spring meet that they had where torrential rains changed the track to where it wasn't safe. And ultimately, a lot of horses broke down because of that to where we still don't have an answer from the 2019 Kentucky Derby of every governing body as to what is a foul that merits disqualification. If we can't get this stuff right as a sport on big days, what's to say we're getting it right the other 360 days of the year? Yeah, and, and now again, I, I'm not trying to get up on this rock and like say, "Look, I told you so. I told you so." And not, I don't think Andrew is. I don't think any any no. uh, 
Nobody is, especially we, with something like this. We take no pleasure in talking no. about this. And Gino, as much as I like you, as much as I enjoy going on this show, I would be very, very happy if there was no need to do segments like these. I very, I agree. But there, there, with for as big or little of a following that I have and that Andrew has, there are people that have already asked me, like, "What do you think about this?" I'm very curious your opinion. So, and and I, in being at places where. I have been told, hey, you cannot talk about this. I think it's a little bit disingenuous if you're someone who talks about sport. If you cover something all the time and then when something big happens, you don't talk about it, good or bad. It just seems a little bit weird to me. You know, we're not coming on here to to the point of this isn't to blast anybody. Right. The point of this isn't to come on here and we don't have any agenda about what we're trying to do. We're just reacting as people who have spent a lot of their time, a lot of their money in this industry. And I am, you know, I'm just upset and frustrated because this is when a lot of people complain and critique the industry on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or on Small Saturdays and Sundays where not a lot of eyes are going and a lot of not a lot of people are watching and people are saying, hey, look, that was a weird DQ or this racetrack did something a little bit goofy with their payout jackpot pool or something like this happened. Like those are the things that all start to compound. And for a long time now, Andrew, horse racing has had a leadership problem at a lot of places. Now, I. What's great about, and I won't, I'm not going to try to be a hypocrite, right? I do still work with uh, some some places in horse racing. I do still work for some places in the industry. But what's nice about the role that I have now is I was able to take some steps back and choose the people that I work with now. Because not everybody is bad. Darren posted a tweet about this too. You, we can't, as much as we want to, we can't paint this broad brush over everyone and everything and say, it's all just evil spray, spray bottle, get away, you know, back away. It's not that way. But as a whole, we have to be better about, um, you're only as strong as the, you know, your weakest link, right? I don't, I've never been a fan or someone who understands when, when somebody in your field, in your industry, in your way of life is, is, is making a lot of mistakes and is making everybody else look bad. I, I don't know why you want to defend them when they make you look worse instead of just saying, you know what, we might be better off here kind of moving forward, moving in a different direction. And I'm not saying this is one man in particular that we're Bob Afford. I'm not saying this is a, about this. This is more than about this course, but there needs to, this has to have something needs to come out of this. There, this can't just be something that floats under, you know, the under, and then in a week or two, no, nothing has happened from this. Like you said, we don't even know what had happened from the Kentucky Derby earlier this year on Friday night, the attorney for Bob Baffert released a statement that was basically like kind of like mocking everybody out there and saying, look, we told you everything. All of you are wrong. All of you need to ap- apologize. And then over the weekend, that was what happened on Friday. Then on Saturday. So this is the number one trainer. Uh, and I and I posted something similar to this. What makes me just kind of think for a second. The most well-known horse in racing right now is Medina Spirit. That's generally the winner of the Kentucky Derby each year because that's. That's pretty much it. They win the Derby. They're not around very long. You talk about this all the time, Andrew. It doesn't create stars. Everybody really only knows the name of the horses who just won the big races. And that's the biggest of them is, is the Derby and all the stuff that happened with Medina spirit this year. 
I would say he's by far the most well-known household name. And you've got Baffert, who is the most recognizable face in all of horse racing, jockey, owner, trainer, anyone. He's the one that everybody knows. And then you've got the most well-known and the best jockey in racing over the last few years. And think about the the news and just the, the what we've had around them in the last four days, four days, five days. Um, it's just all negative, all negative. Yeah. And far be it for me to lean on the thing that I wrote like a shill, but there are three sentences that the second you went into this, I knew I had to queue up and I'm just going to read them off here because I, I can't say it better than I did here as a sport. Where are we on controlling the narrative that reaches novices and those who have never been to the track before? Where are we on a response that reassures the racing fan base that the racetrack is still a fun place to go and that one's gambling dollar is more respected there than at a blackjack table, a slot machine, or a daily fantasy sports provider? Here's the big question, Gino. How is it possible that a sport with many incredibly wealthy, smart people at the top level can be playing defense this much? What are we doing here? I don't understand it. It doesn't do anybody any good. There's one stat I'm looking at right now. Now, again, this is a stat. This isn't me. I didn't make this up. I didn't go find this. This is from the CHRB and DRF. And this was in a Washington Post article. And this has the top trend trainers in California. And it's got them and and how many horses in their care have passed away. So and it has them just to make it a, a statistic, which, first of all, it's gross doing this. It's absolutely gross in my head when I'm like talking about actual beings that have passed away like a statistic. This is something we have to do with COVID now and we've had to do in the last few years. So just understand that I understand how disturbing it is to be talking about all of these living beings and people as a number. So let me just get that out of the way first. It bothers the hell out of me just having to do that. But that's where we are, unfortunately, when we're discussing something like this. And so these uh, the the trainers. It's got the the number of horses that have passed away in their care since 2000, and then it's got the number of horses that they've had, the, the number of starters that they've had. Well, then what it does is it actually calculates per per 1,000, so that way it's not coming after anyone unfairly. Or of course, the people it's it's a it's unfortunate, Andrew, but the more horses, there's always going to be some accidents. There are always going to be some things that happen with any athlete in any sport. So the more horses you have, the more death you're more likely to have, unfortunately, and Bob Baffert has had, uh, by this chart, he's had 8,913 horses start, and he's had 74 deaths. And by those calculations, that is 8.30 per 1,000, which is number one. And it's not it's it's not really close. And the, the only one behind him was at 8.12, and that was someone who had 52 deaths in 6,400 starts. So 22 less with uh, you know 2,500 less starters or so. And then below that, we're talking about, you know, Chuck Treese and Jerry Hollendorfer, who had well over like eleven thousand starts and nineteen thousand starts. We're talking about when you look at the, you know, and again, this is just dealing with the numbers, Andrew. This doesn't have any context in it. Talking about what type of horses do you train? If you compare the type of horses that Bob trains to the type of horses that. The three or four people directly behind him train Jeff Bondi, Chuck Treese, Jerry Hollendorfer, uh, William Morey. We're talking about uh, trainers who are claiming trainers who are literally 
claiming horses that have dropped, that have issues, that have some physical problems, that have already run a bunch of times, that probably don't have years left. So the fact that those horses are the ones that are, you know, they're already going to be less likely to have a longer, more sustained career. The horses that Bob is getting are like the most regally, royally bred horses in the entire world. This is just a stat. This is not a an opinion. This is nothing. I'm just saying that's something that's really, really tough to look past. And that's something when he's the face, it's hard to, it's hard to always take. It's all. It, it can't always be when there's smoke. There's there's got to be fire sometimes. It can't always be. Well, we did something wrong, or we messed up, or this was a mess up. There's some of these times. This has got to be. Well, you know what? Doesn't really matter how or why or what. These horses are not doing as well as they should be Or as they have done with others And I'm like rambling all over And Andrew's kind of too This is just like a hard thing to discuss Because It is uh, The thing is The two of us are smart people with egos We want to know the answers to everything And in situations like these We don't have many We're looking for them You can tell that in our voices Even as we're talking about this We want to find the answer to this problem. Whatever it is, we want to find it. And anybody who cares about this game and cares about the horses involved wants to find it too. There's a narrative out there that says certain trainers don't care about their horses. I think that's misleading. But one of the things that I do think is, going back to the brief uh, tangent that I had earlier about Horses not being as sound as they used to be. Bob Baffert is known for training his horses incredibly hard. He got that from the quarter horse game. He brought it to the thoroughbred game. He's been very, very successful with that. And he's gotten a lot of really fast horses that way. But I can't help but wonder, the more you ask a horse, at some point, that tank's going to run dry. And And he's. I can tell you this as someone who's been involved with People who are in very very small barns Like trainers who don't have a lot of horses They can't even They don't have the the luxury or the option Of doing that even if they wanted to right. You know they, they can't Train horses and this is just Like anything right just some places can Do more and have a bigger regiment But he in a again Kind of a crass way he has so many Good horses that if one of Or two of them are to have an issue And a training injury or maybe they're not Quite Capable of go of doing that And they, they don't respond as well It doesn't really hurt him that much Overall you know he's right. got a barn Just loaded with stars another barn Can't afford to do that they have to Or not and, and, and this is with Bigger barns versus smaller barns the smaller barns Have to be a little bit more careful Sometimes and maybe they, those Horses don't come out firing right off The bat maybe they're not the most precocious Horses in the world but They will Maybe they're around at five and six and still running, you know? Yeah. And again, I'm not a vet. That's not my area of expertise. What I do know, horses are running less and less. It sure seems like we're hearing about injuries and bleeding more and more. I think a lot of what we're dealing with is a horse that can't handle the rigors of the campaigns that we saw even 15, 20 years ago. I mean, Gino, look at the racing calendar in New York and how they have had to alter things. I remember the Halcyon days where horses would go Whitney, Woodward, Jockey Club, Gold Cup, Breeders' Cup. You get horses sometimes now going from the Whitney and then the connections go, 
oh, we're training up to the Breeders' Cup three months away. It's a case where I don't know if this is the driving factor in all of this. It can't be helping. I don't think it's helping anybody, to be perfectly honest, except for the fact that the breeding barns are making money hand over fist based on whatever the heck brilliance is. But you look at that, you look at how hard the horses from certain barns work in the mornings. And it's one of those instances where, again, we're struggling for answers. We don't have all of them, but you look at the way horses are bred now. You look at how not often they run. I mean, there are Bob Baffert horses that have had championship campaigns where a horse makes four starts from the start of the year to the end of the year. And I, I think there's a reason for that. The, it, it, you know, I'm, I would say this again, this isn't a Baffert thing. This isn't a no. Irad Ortiz Jr. thing. Um, I'm, I'm close. Heck, uh, I love Doug O'Neill. I'm, I, the barn, they named a horse after me when I was sick. I know Doug, I've, Last couple of years, I don't I don't go to the track very much at all, so I don't get to see a lot of people that I used to see all the time when I was working there. But lo- love the guy, great dude to me, donated money to me. Doug's on the list that I was talking about. He's number ten on that list of uh, of trainers and horses uh, in California with the most horse deaths since two thousand. But when you compare the eight point three per eighty nine hundred and where Doug is is like three point two with forty six horses in 14,000. We're just like dealing in way different numbers too. And I would yes. I would say but he, I and I would say this if he was on the top of that list, someone who I like and respect. It's not about that. It's not even about what's like the report comes back and if it's clear, I don't to me does that matter? I don't know. Like to me like because what happened earlier on in his career may have compounded things for him. So maybe he's fine right now, but who knows what had happened earlier? Like you said, maybe it was just about the what the way he was trained and he was asked to do a little too much. And maybe that's too much. And nobody's been looking in on that and, and needing to curtail that. And that some of these horses can't be asked to do as much in the mornings. I, I don't know. That's a question that I'm I'm, I'm asking. All, all I do know is that I would say the same thing in, in the riding with Irad. What had gone on over the last uh, week, Andrew, or so with Irad Ortiz Jr. was absolutely un- absurd. And is should be nowhere in horse racing, and to me, what makes these the the Arad situation and everything we're talking about with Medina Spirit here, what makes this so frustrating and make it so upsetting is this isn't like an infraction in a in 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 any in industry sport company or something that's like oh you do something wrong you break the rules you get a punishment. We're talking about lives here. Of people and of of horses One one wrong move When you're riding a race You put someone down, you paralyze them You change their life, you kill someone And we saw like What we saw over the weekend with Irad on some horses Was really scary And what ends up happening is We're all humans, you do what you can get away with You keep doing it and doing it and doing it Because nobody's punishing you When you're getting $500 fines For trainer overages Why the hell would anybody be enticed or, or or be turned away from from those things. You, you you're gonna keep doing it because you you don't it, they don't make it seem like it's a big deal when you get popped. Uh, I, we got a suspension I think of 30 days for Irad Ortiz Jr. during a part of the calendar when there's not a lot of racing, and this is 30 days, not racing days, which is just nuts. I mean, how many times do we see the punishments, Andrew, of them, uh, $500? 750 bucks. How much do you think they made 
people make sometimes betting on a horse, you know, or, or how much did the betters lose that bet on other horses or got screwed out of those races? I bet you it's a lot more than the five hundred dollars that you find uh, them. To yeah. me, it's got to start with the punishments, right? I don't know what what, but somebody. Needs to be made an example of A couple people need to be made an example of They did this to Jerry Hollendorfer And what was going on with him Was like so much less worse than, than Some of the things that we've seen recently I don't know who, I don't know how But some people at some of these racetracks uh, Somebody's gotta just say Hey look, I'm gonna put my foot down I don't know if I believe they will But I mean, I'm bummed I I, I didn't want to promote, I did work for the week, this week Racing stuff, I didn't even really want to promote it Or push it out there all that much Feels exactly like how I feel going into Preakness weekend When we weren't really talking that much about it We did a really brief break, uh, preview I hate saying the word breakdown People talk say breakdown during talking about racing And I, I try to get out of that habit It's like one that you, you have to work, work on Um, I, Just, Andrew I love you man I, w- I'm, I like talking to you every day I would, we would you know, go on for hours about any subject, but I hope we don't have to have conversations like this anymore, like we did with the Navarro stuff before, like we did right after the Derby with Medina Spirit, like we did less than a year later. This is a three-year-old young horse who's only been running for not even a year and a half. Those horses like this aren't supposed to just drop dead with of a heart attack. No, at this and, age, and it's it's something we haven't seen with a high-profile three-year-old since Swale in the early 1980s. Somebody brought that out on Twitter, and that's that in and of itself is a story because to this day, almost 40 years later, how much do we know about what happened? Uh, that, that should scare the heck out of you. Now, going back to the Arad Ortiz point, it brings up a story about the great Eddie Arcaro, who had a personal problem with another rider, rode recklessly to where that rider got dumped off his horse. Eddie Arcaro goes up to face the stewards and the stewards say, Mr. Arcaro, it is the belief of this body that you tried to intentionally injure another rider. And Eddie Arcaro said, I wasn't trying to injure him. I was trying to murder that bleepity, bleepity, bleepity. And he wound up getting suspended a year for his actions. Now, would suspending Erod Ortiz for a year really clean stuff up because here's the problem and here's what I'll pose to you when Erod Ortiz Jr.'s suspension is up he's going to have all the business in the world waiting for him because of how good of a rider he is now there was actually a response from Chad Brown to something about the stewards letting racing get out of control and I believe don't quote me on this I believe he said two of the three stewards Mm -hmm. were off on cigar mile day they were fill-ins. They weren't the normal. Well, here's the problem with what Chad Brown just said. Who gives a Ryder Tees Jr. a lot of his business? Chad Brown. Yeah. And it's one of those things where a lot comes back to conflict of interest within the game. And I'm not well, saying that Chad Brown had ulterior motives or whatnot. There is definitely a problem, and the stewards have let it get out of hand. But when you look at the higher levels of racing, and you see that Bob Baffert trains horses for a number of people on the Breeders' Cup board. Gee, you really think he was going to miss the Breeders' Cup? When you look at certain other things in the game of horse racing and who's on what boards and whatnot, it's just a mess. And I don't think the word corrupt is right here. So do not put words in my mouth on that. But what I do think is, 
there are lots, and I mean lots, of conflicts of interest within this game and a lot of people valuing their own investments over the long-term growth of the game at large, which is why what I had said in my article was something along the lines of constructive, inclusive conversations with a lot of people that haven't had seats at the table before and betters and owners being respected in equal measure because the game could not survive without both of those revenue streams. And again, that article is up on andrewchampagne.com. You're going to want to take some time. It's not a short read. It took me six hours to write on Monday night, for goodness sake. But being able to get all that stuff out there and being able to come here and chat about this, I, I want to say it helps. But in the end, we're really just in a waiting game, waiting for answers and waiting for an industry that all too often has been reactive rather than proactive. Yeah, Andrew, you are over the last couple of years, man, you become one of my best friends from and I will I know that you would do this for me and I would do this for you. And this is what I don't understand about this kind of era that we're in in the world. I I agree with a lot of what Andrew says, but not everything. And 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 there and if you if I don't agree with what you say, I'll tell you I'll support you, but if you do something that's really bad or that's really wrong, I would tell you that, and I would tell you, Andrew, that was bad. I'm your friend. I'll help you, but I'm not going to support. Like that was a bad decision you made. That was a bad call you made. I, luckily, I think you have a pretty good head on your shoulders, so I haven't had to say that to you. And I think you would <laughs> say that to me. I, I genuinely think you would come to me and say that because we've disagreed about takes and stuff like that all the time. I just don't know why everybody. Wants to go to bat immediately For for some of the people who make them Look less flattering it, it, You and I are tied You come on my show all the time If you do something that looks bad It'll reflect poorly on me But I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk with you about it I'm going to see what happened And if it's something that I genuinely think was wrong I'm not going to dig my, my heels in and go Well you know what Andrew, I know I, he didn't mean. I, I'm not gonna like start doing that dance. You know what? I'm gonna t- I'm gonna like just take two steps back and just say I don't agree with that. To, and too many people can't do that nowadays. It's like there, it, you have to be one extreme or the other. You have to always be behind the whole, this side or that side. It's one side against the other. It's this against that. This that's a problem in the world. It, it's a problem in politics. It's a problem in any any decision making when you just are so extreme. And uh, we can't have that. Andrew, we have to have some nuance and we have to use context with every discussion with, you know, with every individual situation and hopefully moving forward, we can get a little bit more out of that in the world. Amen. From your lips to God's ears. This is getting really, really tiring. Andrew Champagne, you hear him each and every week here on the old wrestling rewatch. You hear Andrew uh, on his podcast, Champagne and JD. Make sure to go subscribe to that over on YouTube. And you can also check out all of Andrew's work there on andrewchampagne.com. Andrew, is it just Andrew Champagne, the follow on Twitter? Yep, that's me at Andrew Champagne on Twitter at 142 winners over on Instagram. Can't say I post there all that much, but you know, trying to figure things out. And Instagram isn't really a platform for me because <laughs> me I'm not I'm I'm not a model that can stop traffic. So I don't really know what the heck I'm doing over there anyway. Oh yeah, me, me neither. Uh we'll, we'll do our best to keep working on that. Thank you for joining me, buddy. I appreciate it. I wish it was under uh under better better circumstances, but we'll have to see what happens in the in the coming days and if any more information comes out I'll bring Andrew back on and we'll uh, we'll Update you all as to, to what's been happening There so don't go anywhere folks We have plenty more on this episode of that's what She said podcast 
one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast is Full Service Realtor Cindy Carava. And her website is cindycarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. And as a full service realtor, she can help you out in many different ways, like buying, selling, leasing. If you're just looking to improve your home, she can help connect you with the right kind of vendors that will help you with the home improvement, landscapers, painters, gardeners, all sorts of folks that she's had experience using in her home and in her homes. She can help connect you with the right type of lenders. If you need help with uh, a loan, they can help get you pre-approved. Cindy Carava is one of the kindest and most genuine people you will ever ever meet. She's going to be straight with you, but she's going to be someone that'll take care of you. She's going to be honest with you. She's going to make sure that everything is easy, that nothing uh, you're not forgetting about anything on that checklist that you have. Check out her website. You can see a lot of her past listings. And right now, until the end of the year, through December the 31st, she actually has a Black Friday special where she will give you savings off of the services that she provides you. Now is the time CindyCarava.com Let's get into our final segment this week It is Wrestling with Chad Cooper We head in to Smackdown Recap and review Monday Night Raw Recap and review NXT We talk War Games And then NXT Television from Tuesday And then we get into AEW Talk about what's coming Winter is coming Up next, This Week in Wrestling With Chad Cooper here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. It's time for this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. Koopaloop joins us again. And unfortunately, we have to start this episode with some sad news, um, some just uncomfortable news. One of the all-time greats in the wrestling industry, Jeff Hardy, has recently been released by the WWE. Chad, who who joins us now. Chad, always always a bummer to have to start with some news like this, but this just we're recording on Thursday morning and this news just came out. Uh, a little before we started to record and Jeff Hardy was in the middle of making, he had moved from raw back to SmackDown. And in, in the last two months, his character had been really rehabbed. He was winning a lot of matches. He was on TV all the time. He was getting pushed pretty well towards the top of the card on SmackDown. And then some footage came out of him over the weekend at a live event. He did not look good. Uh, he was sort of just kind of lost in a fog, and it's very sad because Jeff Hardy, for as incredible of a wrestler as he is, he's had a lot of problems through the years with substances, with um, addiction to different things, and you know, all, all I can do is just say, man, I hope the best for him because I love Jeff. I know a lot of fans do. We love seeing him out there, but you always got to do what is best for you. Yeah, I'm a massive. Um... Uh, Hardy Boys fan in uh, a bi- bigger Jeff Hardy fan than I was of Matt Hardy, and it's just uh, it's demoralizing 
and to see these guys and girls just uh, struggle. Number one, addiction is a beast within itself, regardless regardless what kind of profession you're in, whether you're an office worker or you know uh, a professional athlete or uh, you know a home mom. It doesn't matter. Addiction is just a, an absolute beast. And yeah. Unfortunately, I saw the video. Uh, I think it was uh, a house show in South Texas. I think maybe Edinburgh, somewhere near the Rio Grande Valley. And he was in a six-man tag and tagged himself out and kind of stumbled around and things were not well. And I'd seen some rumors this morning, uh, not going to divulge on those because I have no idea if they're true or not. But uh, we can only hope uh he uh, he gets back on the right path because, as you said, he was. Uh, we were back to seeing a a good Jeff Hardy again, and he was yeah. being pushed, and it's just uh, really heartbreaking to see that. Very sad news to open up this, but we will continue to update you anything that we know about Jeff in the coming weeks. So um, hopefully, all is good for him as someone who has a lot of love and support out there. But uh, addiction is a crazy difficult. It's not linear. You can't explain it. It's not A plus B equals C. Everyone struggles in their own ways with it. So God bless Jeff and uh, and hope things uh, continue to get better for him. Let's bounce in. We're going to probably have a little little shorter episode than normal this week. So we'll hit on uh, a little bit of everything. But on SmackDown, I got to say, Brock is like really entertaining right now, man. (laughs) He is this version of Brock. With you know smiling baby face Brock where he's messing around with Sammy Zayn throughout and I, like Sammy was great with him. They have a really good chemistry, yes. you know. And Sammy oh, like, wait a minute, Brock has a new advocate, and it's not it's not Paul Heyman, it's Sammy Zayn. It's Sammy Zayn, <laughs> and he's doing that. But you know, Brock, I you, I you, I you know, Brock. It, 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 as soon as he locks out to interrupt, and Brock's just like, "Who are who you?" Are you? <laughs> he doesn't know who he is, and so this was sort of a. A running thing throughout that Brock was kind of needling Sammy into having to take his uh, his title match on this show, and I I, I love that when they have a running storyline throughout the show, I love it. It's all it's yes. almost always going to hook me. It just yeah. makes me more interested when when that's the case. And this was fun, and I think you know the all of the the wrestling shows that we're going to talk about the ratings have been. Really low for Raw, for SmackDown, for NXT, for AEW, both da- uh, Rampage and Dynamite. I think it's just that time of the year, Chad. Something. You know, yeah. Um, it, it, one there's you know foot like football is crazy ratings right now, and um, it's getting like insane ratings. And two, it's it's holidays for a lot of people that may have missed a holiday last year or some of the last couple years. I think they're out just sort of doing things because all of the wrestling shows have had some real peaks and then some. Downers over the last couple months It was like September, October Where things were just awesome And then since then It's been on a little bit of a downward trajectory For everyone Um, But I will say I thought all of the shows this week Were pretty entertaining for the most part From Smackdown to Raw To NXT And then there were a few things on AEW that I really uh, enjoyed A couple that I didn't (laughs) But um, the Brock stuff I'm curious now is this the first time there's ever been a pay-per-view at, at January like this, right? They've had some later December ones through the years, but I can't ever recall something like this in January before the Rumble. So it is a little different with 
these shows over the next few weeks, they're at least going to be booking to a show with a purpose. You know, right. maybe they will continue to be good. Sometimes there's nothing here until the Royal Rumble, and you can get a little bit lost. Maybe you have one or two weeks where it's around Christmas. It doesn't feel like, you know, they were really skippable shows. I don't think we will get that much this year with the need to build to a pay per view. No, and you got to remember next Friday is Christmas Eve. Uh, or excuse me, two weeks uh, we, we have Christmas Eve. So I doubt SmackDown will be live that night. I don't recall January 1st for WWE. Now, we've had a lot of these. Uh, was it New Japan who would always have something on New Year's Eve? Yeah, it's like the know, day, it's like the second or third they have the. Uh... The uh, Tokyo Dome. The yeah, the, and, and yeah. We've had some New Year's Eve shenanigans from MMA and some of these Japanese uh, kind of gimmicky MMA wrestling type events, but not anything that I recall here. Um, so now we know why that Brock was brought back uh, a month earlier. You know, I think his surprise was supposed to be the the Royal Rumble. So now. I'm curious to see how they book him in the Rumble, if he's even, I, I mean, it's just an interesting time. I, I, you know, I would hate that he, this match on January the 1st, I would be shocked if Brock Lesnar wins the title. Me too. Got, it's got to um, be, it's cheated out of the title and then has to go through the Rumble, right? Right, and it just kind of sucks, because I, 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 I think it's a waste Brock of a Rumble. I, yeah, I think I, it is too, that, I love bringing it, him back this early. This is fine, like this angle is fine, but I don't like using the rumble as a vehicle for somebody who doesn't need the rumble. And he does like Brock Lesnar at any moment right now. You just put him into this title shot. So why does Brock? What you know? I don't. It's so much better if someone like a anyone like a Damian Priest or a Riddle or someone I don't know. You know, someone who can use that more. They could build even what they did with Drew a couple years ago. You know, yeah. that felt good. Like you could sort of feel like Drew was getting some momentum and then it was like, oh, it's going to be Drew McIntyre. Cool. Finn Balor, right? He would be a great selection. Someone who is close to the top, but could use the Royal Rumble win to to spearhead them. And I don't I don't know if that's what did Sammy say is like, we've got a lot of similarities, Brock, you know, we're, <laughs> except for the whole UFC champion thing and all the titles and everything. But other than that, we've got a lot of, <laughs> yeah, but that popped, that popped me. you and I, Brock, we're a lot alike, you know, <laughs> that got me, that got me. It was yeah. really good. It was, um, there was a pretty good match. It was not that long, but Sasha and Shayna. And if you're going to, not have a lot for Shayna to do. At least you can make her look badass on TV when she's in the ring here. I thought that was was fun. Sasha gets the win there. And um, yeah, I mean, better than Shayna getting rolled up in two minutes. It was probably the best match on the card. If, if you look at SmackDown's wrestling, uh, you have a minute 30, two minutes, three minutes, 45. And then Roman basically squashed Sammy in the main before Brock destroyed him. So a really good match, definitely the match of the night. But yeah, I'm the same way. If you, you know, these two aren't going to um, be in the title picture, which we aren't right now. Let them, let them have a good match, and that's basically what we've been wanting for now. Not only with the women's side, but the men's side too. You don't have to be in the title picture to have to be in a good match and a good storyline. I like what they did here. Couple other matches uh, on the card. Los Lotharios end up getting a win. Uh, they continue to book 
Woods strong. You almost wonder yep, if, yep. if if Xavier Woods is someone who could be primed for like a, a good rumble run. You know, I could see him. I don't know about winning, but telling a story with Xavier as like a baby face heading to WrestleMania might be a fun story that a lot of the fans could get behind too. You know, maybe he, you do something with him with Kofi, who know or with Kofi and Big E. I mean, I don't know if that would be a mania match they would be interested in, but he, what I like is I like when they protect people a little bit. Like he's won the King of the Ring. Instead of looking like a chump, they have him win matches now. He doesn't yeah. get pinned all the time. The same thing with Zelina. Zelina yeah. doesn't get pinned anymore. Uh, Damian Priest, I saw a stat that said, I don't think he's gotten pinned since January. Yeah, but I know? think the only champion really that has lost has been Shinsuke. And yeah. now they've got him and Boogs kind of chasing Los Lotharios, didn't they? Uh, bizarre. I, 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 yeah, I think they came out. And the poor Viking Raiders, they're just there, but... Uh, yeah, that's what champions are supposed to do. They are. They're, They're going to be in a to look tag strong. match and lose. Yeah, just let let the other your your tag partner take the win. But hey, look, I this King Xavier gimmick has uh, really caught on and is really strong, and I think you're going to see a pretty good run in the Royal Rumble with him. You got to remember, whoever wins it, right, is going to going to main event WrestleMania. So there's going to be some stories to be told between uh, after January. First through the rumble that's going to be Some interesting storylines that they're going to have To get behind So we ended up getting uh, Sheamus picking up a victory Over Cesaro Continues along with uh, with Ridge Holland In their storyline And uh, then we got the Sammy Roman <laughs> match Where uh, you know he gets Absolutely destroyed before the match And Lesnar just crushes <laughs> him And then And then Roman just Comes in for the spear Hits it and uh, applies the guillotine and Sammy Zayn taps out. So the the thing about it, I saw some people that were bothered that the you know the, the Sammy match ended up going thirty seconds and all that. I mean, this is obviously what they were teasing. That's the problem. And, and the difference is, if this was if that was Ricochet or Cesaro or you know somebody else, I would have been upset about it. If it would have been yeah. someone that you would have felt like was like a true baby face that was legitimately earning a shot and that was what you did to them. But Sammy is this is Sammy's character. Yes. This is exactly what this is like what would happen to the Miz. Hey, and it's like the it last did happen to the Miz. It yeah. did happen to the Miz against Bobby Lashley. We saw That's something true. exactly like that. He crushed him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Yeah, and Sammy's been a part, uh, I mean, he was the part with the mysterious golden egg. You know, during Survivor Series, so he's had a pretty good little month here of, he of being of all over television. I, I think he's fine with this. Even going back to the the stuff with Paul, I mean, he's involved with one of yeah. the celebrities, getting to do funny, goofy segments in sure. the ring. Um, yeah, he's he's <laughs> been. Getting, I saw somebody say, "Okay, honestly, Sami Zayn, where he is right now, and and I don't know what people's wants or motivations are." But I can tell you one thing, he sure as shit wouldn't be getting more TV time on AEW. No. Maybe and maybe no. he'd be getting to go out there and have a 15-minute match, a little bit better of a match. He'd get a match against Brian Danielson. But then he'd be on dark and on elevation yeah. and he'd sure. be getting to wrestle longer matches, but you know what right now he gets to play a really entertaining character on TV and I don't maybe he wants more, maybe he doesn't. He sure seems like he's enjoying this. 
Man, like, you know what? I, I, I've been a Sammy hater for a long, long time. Just never liked him, never got into him. But, man, just something about the guy is just, again, I love to hate him. He's and weasel. this past Friday night was so freaking, he's just a weasel. You want to see him get hair and that starts interrupting you know and it's like what is, <laughs> shut up man you know but like it's like a funny it's not the go away heat you know no, it's no, no, it, no. i want to see him get hit heat but he's he's entertaining you know he'll yeah. say something that you kind of like laugh and it's just yeah great great stuff from sammy and that was a i i thought smackdown was a lot of fun with him and brock and just Me seeing too. these different versions of brock we kicked off monday night raw with uh, an excellent cage match, man, this thing was good. This thing went on for good. a went on for a while, and with the you know the combinations of Rollins and Biggie and Owens, you know you're always gonna have something cheap happening with these two. Rollins Rollins is kind of outside egging these two on. Biggie uh, grabs Owens' legs, and they they you know they're hitting each other on the top rope, and then he goes for the super big ending, which was awesome. Yes. And uh, he's able to crawl to the door. So, and I like the fact that he gets out. He doesn't make the pin there either. So, you know, it's a cage match. He's just, like we were saying, I don't want to see Owens get pinned right now when he's getting ready in a, for, to have a title match. So, at least you don't have that happen. Very good match here to start. And I mean, that was th- like the wrestling on Raw was very, very good. Oh, it was better than SmackDown. No, I mean, not close because no, yeah. And I'm also interested in the placement of Bobby Lashley after that match. Is this a safety net in case Owens bails? Um, I'm trying to figure out why Bobby Lashley would be interjected a little bit. Okay. Did you catch that uh, video that they showed of Lashley? Was it this week or last week? It must have that, been last week. That was like the most babyface video I've ever seen. Yes. That was like yeah. Lashley doing stuff with the community. Look at Lashley and what he's. That was weird. That yeah, was like a strange. little out of place almost. I and you think about who Biggie is positioned against here. You wonder if Lashley might be in the mix to help Biggie. I I be. wonder. It, it it could be a tag. You know, or, or, uh, or you at the four way. You end you end up inserting him into the mix, and you just have him kind of you know the other baby face, or or you want to just stack the deck against Big E. We're gonna put three heels in there against him to make him look even stronger. But it's yeah, because you had a you had a weird you know later in the raw later in raw we had MVP you know give a little statement, and there wasn't any really baby face thing about it. I just thought it was. I just it's thought weird. it was an odd placement for Lashley it is. to be involved. I'm not mad. No, I'm it's just it's curious just curious why he would be involved. Yeah, it's it's like they almost don't have a spot for him, so they don't want to make him look Waste. weak sure. or not wasting. Sure. So you want to put him in somewhere. So yeah, we'll we'll see what comes from that. We got uh, Zelina beating Nikki Ash. So again, Zelina continues to why look get- strong. We got Riddle and Orton with the Blazers. <laughs> <laughs> They're wearing the old WWF commentator. I want one of those. Me too, man. So those bad. beige, those beige blazers that <laughs> Vinnie Mac used to wear, and they come out a couple times throughout the show to do, you know, the analysis and commentary here. So I think we've been getting back to some of the good stuff with Riddle and Orton. It felt like, yeah, yeah. we 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 love them, and then there was maybe 
six weeks to two months where it was like, and eh, they're not doing much. And now the last month or so have been pretty good again. So we have an arcade brodament, right? <laughs> it's the arcade <laughs> Who comes up with this? <laughs> it's the number one contenders matches in the RK Bronament. The Street Profits get the win in the first match of the RK Bronament. And then uh, in uh, in the second one, uh, who did we have getting it? was the uh, Mysterios. Mysterios, yeah. Mysterios get the win there. So the RK Bronament <laughs> will roll on next week. Um, what do we get? Uh, hey, Damian Priest doing the open challenge. Hey, like I loved it. it, man. You got a solid 10-minute match with one of the dirty dogs. With the and this is cool. Like, this is what the open challenge is supposed to be. You give you give Rude a chance to go out there for, for 10 or 15 minutes. Yes. You know, this is a keep the guys on your roster happy segment and match. For there's a look, we're not, you know, we're not dumb. We understand everybody can't get pushed to the moon all the time. Everybody can't win every single match. Everybody comes into the company. They want to be the WWE champion or the women's champion or whatever, but they can't, they all can't be at the same time. This is a good way to keep people happy. Hey, you know what? Uh, Ziggler, let's have you and, and Preach go out there for next week and go for 20 minutes and show everybody you still got it, you know? It, yeah, just, and, and I think Dolph probably gets the match next week. Right? He should. He did a super kick with Priest, and they're going to have a fantastic match. They will. He's going to be bumping all over the place for yes. that dude. Priest <laughs> is going to be tossing him around. Ziggler's going to be flailing like it was Shawn Michaels against Hulk Hogan in, in SummerSlam. <laughs> you know, like like a flopping around that's like a great. fish. Like yeah, a fish. That's great. <laughs> uh, Damian Priest yeah. picks up the win here. Hey, I thought this was the best uh, that we've seen from Dewdrop. Yes. In, in ring. Yes. She looked good here. And this is the name is still. Cringy, yeah, but silly, yeah. She's not that. Hey, just smiling baby face now, and and it matches her her size, right? She's big. She's got like it's it's really hard for big guys or gals to play baby faces a lot of the time because when they're in the ring with someone that they are more dominant than physically, you kind of are are rooting for the smaller. And so this is Dewdrop can go if if you didn't realize, folks. She can go in the ring. Piper Niven can go. She is excellent in ring. And what I've been really pleased with for both WWE and AEW as of late, because I think you can tell AEW has heard a lot of the criticisms. They are really, really giving us a lot of women's stuff. Sure. A lot of women's storylines and angles. And not all of them are going to hit, but we're not just getting the, it's Becky versus Liv for the title and then nothing else. Right, right. We've got these layered feuds now. Bianca's in a feud with Dewdrop. We've got Zelina and Carmella in a feud with, you know, for the tag champs. On the other side, on SmackDown, we've got, you know, multiple women getting involved. We've got Sasha and Shotzi have something going on. We've got Charlotte and Tony, which we didn't really talk a whole lot about. But I, on SmackDown, I was glad to see Tony not looking like a chump. Coming, <laughs> yeah, we're still right? getting pies, title shots, and pies. And I think, pies. uh, isn't Zia Lee or Z, uh, isn't she debuting this Friday on SmackDown? Yeah, so, yeah, I, I believe she is. Um, and I think we're gonna, we're, I think we're, it looks like we're gonna get a Nikki turn 
with Rhea, so maybe something like that. Look, I, I enjoyed the match. I didn't like the count out because it was the second count out on the show. Uh, we had the AJ, Omos, and Street Profits count out. But look, this 13-minute match that you're not going to see anywhere else. You're just not. And it was really good. And I'll say this, the crowd still loves Bianca Belair. She doesn't have the title, and she's still strong as ever. I mean, mm-hmm. she comes out, she gets attacked before the match. Just great psychology there, and Dewdrop can go. She can really go in the ring, and I'm glad she's by herself. Um, not used in an experiment for anything or try to put someone else over. And she's much better as a ba- as a heel, and we're starting to see that heel character come out more and more every time she's on screen. So we're continuing to get these... Uh... Vince McMahon, Austin Theory. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's got to be a guy that's that's slotted for a big Rumble run, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He he's solid. He was solid in NXT. Um, you know, anybody anybody can take a good slap from Vince McMahon and and do the j- jumping jacks and stuff like this. And the way they used him later in the night on the card, he said, "Oh, I'll show Mr. McMahon something." And it wasn't something. Like silly or stupid, you know. He started doing the jumping jacks, and we're like, okay, Theory's supposed to be this dumb jock, good-looking dude, but a dumb jock. And I'm glad he didn't come in with some kind of like trick or I can do this or watch me do this. What he did later on the shows is set up a pretty interesting match that we're probably going to get here sooner rather than later. I don't know if it comes before uh, day one or not, but uh, I like some Austin Theory, man. I me really too. Do. He's got it. He's got the look. He's got the charisma. He's young. I to me, he should be number thirty. It should be Vince yes. like walking yes. him out to the ring Good at number call. thirty. You know, Good and call. here's number thirty, Austin Theory. Love you know, that. and, and oh, man, he ends that. up. You know, he's in the final four or whatever, but he doesn't win. But they're just pushing him as Vince's guy that Vince wants to to skyrocket to the top. Um. I gotta give credit to to Edge, man. All the stuff that he's done since he's come yeah. back has been excellent. And I know people are. I love the Miz. You love the Miz. We're sure. probably higher on the Miz than than most, most are. are. <laughs> and, and it's not that I don't think most people dislike the Miz. They just kind of understand where he's slotted now at this sure. point in his career. He's not a young guy who you could could use the Edge rub. And he's not a guy that could probably go 25 minutes in the ring with Edge and have the most fantastic match in the world. I still think it'll be good when they wrestle. It'll be a very solid match. The promos have been good. These are two guys who know WWE, who have been around, who have done everything. And I love how Edge talked about a lot of it. Hey, we've been down the same, a lot of the same roads. It's funny. This was actually a lot more. He was saying what Sammy was saying. You know, we're we're a lot alike, aren't we? But this time, you could actually see. Some of the similarities here because these guys have have done a lot of the same things through the years. Miz uh, says the old ultimate opportunist would have speared him out of his nine thousand dollars shoes last week. He says <laughs> Edge can get around the ring just fine, but he sounds mentally weak. And then uh, Edge says, uh, "Look in the mirror, and he'll tell him the same thing as back in two thousand six. You're an ass." <laughs> <laughs> my fav- my favorite line was, of course, we get instant heat when Maurice is not there, right? Yeah. And we're, we want to see the smoke show, and he goes, Maurice is not here. Why would you think she would come to a town like Memphis, Tennessee? And he said <laughs> it like, uh, uh, what's, the, what's the guy that had the feud with, uh, with Jerry Lawler? 
and they were on the David Letterman Andy show. Andy Kaufman. Yeah. yeah. He said it just said it Andy Kaufman exact. said it the same way. He goes, I know. Oh, man, for sale, I'll say, and I was popped. Jim yes. Carrey and Man on the Moon, right? He said yes. it just like that. That was. Yes. Do this you was think the, we're going in that direction at all with the mixed taggers just, you know, oh, yeah. going in another oh, direction? You think we are? Absolutely. I think we get a match at day one that will maybe lead to a mixed tag at the Rumble because okay. it makes the most sense for them to all be in that match on the Rumble and then in the Rumble. Yeah. And you know what? I think Maurice probably causes problems. Yes. At day one and Miz yep. goes over. Yep. And I think that leads to Beth coming out, all hell, hell breaks hell. loose, and yep. uh, we, we have a hell of a mixed tag match. Edge comes out on Monday Night Raw the next night and says, dude, you know, Maurice, you, you, you don't think I had backup? Boom, here comes Beth Phoenix, you know. And, and you next- know what? I, from what I've been told is Maurice is full-time now with WWE again. Excellent. So That's great. I, I, yeah, I think, uh, and she's, you know, it's, uh, I mean, who doesn't want Maurice? I love their show. The Miz and Mrs. Uh, I, I think this would be a fantastic, fun match that we haven't seen before, and it would definitely give uh, some WWE some new life in, in, in that department. I don't think we see enough good mixed tag teams uh, in WWE. This this would be fantastic, and they would do a really good job with the heel yeah, dynamic would. with yes. with Miz and them, and Beth and Edge can go in the ring both really, really well. So this would be a lot of fun. Um, we talked about the uh, the Mysterios getting the win there. Finn Balor picks up a victory. This is fine. You know, Finn hadn't been in the main storylines recently. So what do you got to do? You got to give him a win just to keep him look strong. Hey, remember, Finn's here. We don't want him losing all the time. He picks up a win over T-Bar and uh, gets the job done. And then, then it was the Raw women's title match, Liv Morgan versus Becky. And... Liv has had about six weeks now of getting the push that it felt like for years she had been getting started and stopped, started and stopped. And she finally, yeah. they finally given her the opportunity to run with it. I thought she did a damn great job. I yeah, thought don't she forget, did. Don't forget Theory, you know, come, he, he made his, I, I, I'm going to show Mr. McMahon, I'm, I'm good at something, and he jumps Finn Balor. I think that's going to be an excellent match. You know, those, be a, those, thank you for mentioning. That, that. That's going to be a really fun match. But uh, this this was great. This was fantastic. They got 15 solid minutes, and I think it was a perfect ending to give Liv sympathy for a rematch. Absolutely, right? absolutely. And, and let them go. There was nothing wrong with this match. Uh, it was built correctly. Uh, it was done correctly. Um, I didn't see many complaints. Um, you know, now we've got now it's on Liv to get a lot more sympathy. You know, she had a lot of uh, a lot of buzz going, getting this match during the week. Now we we need to get a lot of buzz, and we need Becky saying, "I'm not giving you a rematch. I don't want you know. I beat you one, two, three. I can't help it." But so we need a lot of sympathy here, um, uh, from uh, from Liv to get that rematch on day one. And they're stacking some good because now we want to see uh, Bianca and Liv. Beat Becky, right? Yes. They're stacking yes. these people that Becky keeps screwing, you know, and she keeps cheating out of their wins and these baby faces. So that set up another good contender for Becky. And this made Liv feel like she belongs. Yeah. Sure she did. feel like she belongs in the main event with with these women now. And I'm I'm really happy for her because anytime you can stamp another now you start looking around, it's like, oh wow, Liv, if they can do the same exact thing with Tony that they just did with Liv. 
That'll yes. be awesome, right? Yes. Give give them 15 minutes, show everybody what Tony Storm can really do. She shouldn't beat Charlotte yet. That's fine. I don't think she should. But you go, hey, look, look who we got here. This is a girl that can really, really go. And then what's nice is people will think about it for the Rumble moving forward. So if Tony's in the Rumble, they will think, oh yeah, she kind of got she she just faced Charlotte. Maybe she's gonna be. Uh, she had a good Charlotte cheated her out of that match. Maybe she wins and gets the match against. You want to just start creating these contenders, and they've done a really good job of that as of late. On what do you uh, think? What do you think about Naomi and Sonya finally having oh, a match? Yeah, do you think we'll ever go. get to that. God, that's one of those things where. But she agreed, right? She finally she agreed, agreed, but when, it just they waited too long, right? Yeah, it, it doesn't it, seem as hot now. No, because it was cool a few weeks ago. It was like, yeah, this was yeah. really intriguing, and it it felt like, oh, this is I, I like where they're going. This is a good way to bring Sonya back. And then this week, Sonya almost had to be like the baby face because Adam Pierce didn't show. Wasn't there because Brock was there? Because you know, so he said, "Oh, I'm going to." I'm going to remember the Alamo. <laughs> Maybe you don't need to remember the Alamo there, whatever. But it, that was that was funny. As uh, we move on over to NXT coming off of War Game. And Gino, you and I both said they needed to raise the damn bar because so many people has, has given NXT 2.0 a lot of crap, even though the last couple of weeks, the NXT 2.0 ratings have improved. And I'll tell you this, that was a pretty damn solid War Games match. That was a very good show. I mean, the, the whole card, you know, there, Roderick Strong, Joe Gacy was a little and me. but and it wasn't even bad. It just sort of felt like a TV match in. in the yeah, middle of the pay-per-view. Absolutely. Right. Yep. Right. It didn't fit in. Everything else on that card was just it blew me away, man. I thought they did a fantastic, fantastic job. Fantastic. Both of the war games matches, the women right off the bat, Cora Jade's a star. Yes, she they is. Just, 20 years just, old, man. They just created a massive star right there. Boom. That was unbelievable. She's a star. And it, it what's great is I don't think she will beat Mandy the first time. She she goes for the belt, but I think she should beat her soon. And then, and then the thing about Toxic Attraction, that's a main event group. Yes, I, I mean that's a, that's a main roster group. Yes, right. Like yes. they they don't need to be around in NXT for for longer now. You you got Mandy to work what she needed to work out her character to figure some things out. Boom, you bring Mandy right back up with them, and and then you got Cora down there as your. You know, as your babyface champ and, and the next one moving forward, I th- I thought what they did was was great. Uh, I thought all the women were excellent. EO popping the shoulder back in. Oh, that was a fantastic was spot. Good. And, yeah. the, and Toxic Attraction, man, Gigi Dolan, she is great. Like, they prove yeah. they can fit. They belong. Yeah. yeah. It, um, I, you know, I told you I'll probably take flack of it now that I'm going on record. I just get AJ Lee vibes here, man, from her. She's only 20 years old. She you know? is. She's only and 20 years old, man. She's got this aggressive, like, spitfire thing to her, you know? Like, a way where she's she's small and petite, but I kind of believe that she is feisty and can still kick your ass, you know? Yeah. And yeah. that's that's hard to do, to have a baby face that is really sort of meek, but can also turn it on. And uh, shout out to what they've been doing so far with Cora Jade. 
She yeah. is uh she's on the rise. Dude, you and I are not Imperium fans. This was a Ooh. really good match from really Imperium good, with O'Reilly and Von Wagner. It was. And then we got the Von Wagner turn after the match that led to a steel cage on a steel cage match on NXT that Von Wagner wins after a low blow. And then after the match, he just lays out O'Reilly. I think he kind of hangs him up. Uh, he slams the door in his face. And now we wonder, is that going to be the last time we see Kyle O'Reilly on WWE TV? I think, uh, you know, we have two to discuss during NXT, right? This week we have this one. And then what happened yep. it, it, with, with uh, Johnny wrestling. I think Kyle O'Reilly is gone. I do too. I, I, I think he's I, gone. I think Johnny's staying. Yeah, Johnny is, which was fantastic what he did, but WWE social media continues to push Johnny in this moment. Absolutely. All, all over social media. And hey, look, there's a lot of tears, man. I, I, there, there, were, there were photos from fans even after the show. O'Reilly comes out. Uh, Tommaso comes out. They all lay in the ring and, and they're all just tears are coming out of their eyes. But WWE is just continuing to push Johnny G on social media yep. this week. That's why I think he stays. Uh, he wouldn't have teased the I'm leaving stuff if he was leaving. Right. The, right. Notice the difference between him and Kyle. Kyle, Kyle doesn't got, say it yeah. anywhere. Right. Right. And yeah, it, he's catch. just going to be gone. Um, Johnny, catch. hey, you know what? Tune in on Tuesday and I'm going to talk about my future. Right. Yeah, and change is inevitable. You know, we know his wife is about to have a baby, but, you know, they do take there. But I, I just. He's coming up. I get the you feeling. Think so? I think he's you coming think so? up. I think he might have one more match down there, and then he's coming up. I think, and I don't know when, but I, that's the feeling that I get. I, I, I uh, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but just the way that they presented these two and that. Are completely, of, different. Different. completely different. Way different. Yeah. Way different. And John, it feels. Honestly, I think both of those guys would be in their better places. Johnny could do a lot on the main roster. I think Vince, if he's seen what Johnny's done in the last six months to a year with the goofy stuff with the way with Dexter Loomis, with Austin Theory, who he likes now, I think there's a lot of use for Johnny, even if it he could be a goofy character. You could have him do different things. You could have him in a lot of different roles. For Kyle, I feel like if he wants to go out there and wrestle AEW with the Undisputed Era, that's a good fit for him. He could go right in there. They could do that Undisputed Era thing, and he can do what he does best where he he goes in the ring. I don't know if he's ever going to be your guy, your main event guy somewhere. He can wrestle as well as one, but it— he connects better with the undisputed era as a group than and then singles and individually. So, and let's not forget Johnny G's wife. You know, uh, is going to come back and, and she's under and contract company. and she's great. She's excellent. She's awesome. And so, I think he's NXT still for a little bit and then up to the main roster. I think he's going to be in the WWE. Um, and uh, Team 2.0 got the win over Team Black and Gold. Where uh, Braun Breaker, Carmelo, Grayson Waller, and Tony D'Angelo picked up the victory <laughs> over Johnny G, L.A. Knight, Pete Dunne, and Ciampa, and we uh, that was we a got forty-minute gr- match, forty-minute 40 match, man, minutes, and it was good. It didn't feel like it, it was. was dragging. The one guy who I 
I'm becoming more and more impressed with every time I see him. Now, I still think that he's got to find his voice because he's still a little young, so it's sort it sometimes comes off like a guy trying to play a bad guy wrestler, but Carmelo. Yeah, uh, I, I think Trick Williams does him no good. Me, me too. I, I agree. I, I, just, I don't think he guy, needs Trick. I don't think he no. needs him. Or if if he does, Trick doesn't need to talk, right? Like he was be, him being a mouthpiece doesn't really like Carmelo can talk fine, can look fine. If you just want your like your to have a goon next to you to to you know help you beat up guys or one thing, but I, he's impressing me. More and more that I'm seeing Trick, Trick, Trick was supposed to be in the match with Dexter Loomis on Tuesday night He was outside the ring during war games And took a shot I think a chair flew out of the ring and hit him in the head yeah. he busted <laughs> him open It's like damn the luck dude <laughs> <laughs> Some war games if you haven't checked that out Go back really and do solid, so man. It was really good A couple other things to hit on from NXT So uh, Braun Breaker It looks like I mean, I'd imagine. So, is it New Year's Evil? Is that what they with the next show that they're setting up the, now? The next show is New Year's Evil. I believe. What is that? Jan- the first Tuesday in January. Is that going to be the uh, third or fourth, something like that? I believe the first is on a Saturday, so second, third, fourth, something like that. But yes, New Year's Evil. So uh, that'll that'll be the maybe we'll get a Braun versus Champa there. Maybe we'll get a Cora versus Mandy there. Maybe we'll get something like a. Um, a blow-off type match for Dakota and Raquel. Um, yeah, we're definitely getting Braun and Roderick Strong on Tuesday. On Tuesday, which will be fun because we got the uh, yeah. Diamond Mine who came out to interrupt. And Bivens is great, Bivens man. Bivens is amazing, dude. Bivens is fantastic. So His facial good. expressions. <laughs> he's so good, man. And I... He said a couple things uh, that are like the way he words things too. LeBron Breaker. Oh, he calls him LeBron. That's what it was. He was calling him LeBron Breaker. <laughs> yeah, he says, you know, the weight limit has been lifted. Uh, he, um, the and the creeds are out there with him too. So this was this was a lot of fun. He says they've got their sights set on Breaker. And uh, next week we're gonna see Braun versus Roderick Strong. That thing should be a blast. Yeah, that'll be a good match. Um, I'm a little, I'm a little bummed that they they've sort of uh, taken a backseat with the Creed brothers, man. Uh, like you said, yeah. these guys were hot. They were the buzz, yeah. buzz, buzzworthy topic on the internet for a few weeks, and now they've kind of shifted back to being just sort of generic heel goon tag team. Brooks and Jensen and Briggs gets the win. I'm not. I mean, those guys are sort of just generic yeah. beer drinking. I, I mean, I, they're. I, didn't li- I don't like the vignettes they do. I didn't no. like the one during War Games. You know, and they're finishing each other's sentences. And I knew this match was coming on. I knew what was going to happen. I think it hurt the Creed brothers to to be involved with Diamond Mind. You know, I think these guys stand out on their own, and the buzz is gone. I, it's just right now I can't get into. The Brooks and uh, Jensen and Briggs, man, right now, just there's I, I don't know that gimmick is not I, I just don't feel it. I did laugh when Duke Hudson comes out with the blonde wig. I did those said pop, it's his hair. The po- said, that pops me is when they come out because this is this is my look. I cut it, I trimmed it, I dyed it. He's pretending like it's his it's hair, just like Kurt, fantastic. It was Kurt Angle with the headgear wig. Um, <laughs> this is funny. This is really good. And whatever they give Grimes, man. He sure makes the best out of it. Yeah, he, he really does. does. 
Yeah. And ah, uh, this is funny stuff, man. Grimes is there. So they're going to have a no holds barred match now. So that way uh, there are no rules to be broken. And did they announce when that match is going to be? Is it Tuesday? Is it Tuesday? I think is uh, so. I we all, like I say, I, it's I wasn't either Tuesday or the following week. There's nothing yet on the on the New Year's Evil show, nope, and I would it. assume Duke probably goes over here. I think so too. I yeah. think he probably should get a win in this no holds bar scenario. Maybe he has somebody else help him. Yeah, if right. we want to keep it going, he probably needs to go over this one. Yeah, he gets a win here. Um, then we got that uh, Carmelo Hayes versus Loomis. Loomis ends up winning by DQ um, You were talking about There were some shenanigans going on there With Trick uh, outside the ropes Gets busted open um, <laughs> But uh, Dexter Gets the win by DQ So they're probably continuing along With this feud With these two As we go to Oh the Shaman it's Shaman bro it's Riddle, bro. People, somebody called it. I'll, I, yeah. I can't remember who it was, but somebody did call it. And congratulations. Uh, I think it was somebody on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I think it was somebody too. called it. Yeah, yeah. Alfred or one of them. Yeah. So shout out to them. That was cool. They. Uh, so MSK is stoners, I guess. You yeah, know? They are. I guess they're poking a little smart here. So uh, (laughs) the bag is open and Riddle is impressed with what they have. It's like they all bro. So do we get Riddle now with MSK every week? Gosh, I mean, that would be funny for at least a few weeks with them to do something. Wade Barrett and Vic Joseph alluded or one of them alluded to. I think Vic alluded to it that uh, he's a part of MSK now. That is great. Uh, we, that'd be funny. That'd be a lot of funny. They're trying to give these guys a little bit of personality, which I can understand, sure. right? They came sure. in, they they're just the really ring. great in the ring, and now you want to you want to give them the the overall the full package. They've uh, continued to tease a little bit with Persia and Indy, so we can yeah. imagine that uh, that that's going to be coming soon. The the Persia breakup. They wanted to give a uh, Toxic Attraction another strong win after the War Games loss, so. Toxic Attraction picks up a win here Uh, Gigi Gets the victory And We continue on Let's see what else did we get here Another Tiffany Stratton She she says uh, Daddy says she was a natural Born athlete he hired a full time Trainer so Stratton is coming To NXT soon There was a lot actually going through this show That they were trying to get set up which is good Which is good they were trying to squeeze a lot in um, into this show, we got a um, Tony D, baby. Tony, Tony D, D, baby. Angelo says uh, the money was on Team 2.0. Said things are personal now between he, him and Dunn. Said he got a little piece of memorabilia from Dunn during War Games, his mouthpiece. <laughs> and uh, so let's see, we're going to get, you know, D'Angelo and oh, and then our boy Andre Chase comes in. <laughs> yeah, we're. Getting a match. He threatens Chase. So next week, we're gonna get Tony D and Chase here. I actually saw like three or four people with the U sweaters on in the stands, and I think I think this is a cult. I could join. He say, "Wait a minute, you don't talk like that." My uh, whatever his little tagline is, it kind of got cut off there at the end. Tony D said. I've got to go. I've got to go settle some bets, you know. And Barry and, and, said, "How dare you cut him off before he finishes his first?" Yes, 
<laughs> that doesn't happen in his classroom. <laughs> this made me. This made me laugh. This did make me laugh. As uh, Santos Escobar gets a big win over Zion Quinn. That was a very good match. There. Yeah, it was solid man. These two guys can absolutely go. And um, we, before we got to the main event, or, or before we got to Gargano coming out and uh, and then getting attacked by Waller uh, to finish the show, we got just a really cool little back and forth between L.A. Knight and Waller. Oh, that where, was fantastic. Oh, Waller, you know, and L.A. Knight jumps in the car and he's got the, the girl. And L.A. Knight, man, I got to say. He was getting incredible babyface reactions on War Games. Yes, he was. He was wrestling like an awesome babyface, and the dude, whatever you give him, he can flip it real quick and make you love him or hate him. Remember when he was doing that with? Remember when he did it in that promo with uh, with Grimes when he came out and he was like getting the crowd behind him, and then he got him to crap on him right after. <laughs> and he did it with DiBiase too. He's like Ted. You know what? I love you, Ted. I looked up to you. And then he just crapped all over Ted. Like, he can <laughs> spin you so well, this guy, man. He, he said, guess what, Grayson? I got the girl. Yeah. And then Ted <laughs> it just speeds off. It was fantastic. <laughs> it was awesome. <sighs> and then uh, Johnny Gargano came out really good. Sad speech talking about how you know he's not sure what the immediate future holds. It's still up the in the air. He may do some things here and there, but he knows in February he starts the most important job of his life, becoming a dad, and that's the most important thing about uh, to him right now. And he wants to worry about Candace and his son. And then boom, from behind, Grayson Waller attacks with a chair. So this will lead, I'm imagining, to at like something between the two of them. And then maybe we see Johnny moving up. Maybe we don't. Maybe we see him there. But I think, I think if I had to make a bet, and I mean, I'm not a betting man, Chad. I know I never made, <laughs> By I, any I never made one in my life. So who, I don't know what wager it is. <laughs> if I had to, I would put my money on Johnny Gargano being here and that he yes. has already yes. signed and that yeah. he's going to be a part of NXT and or WWE moving forward. Um, so I think we both kind of feel that same way yes. where maybe yeah. we're not. A, Maybe we don't get that from O'Reilly, but maybe we do get it from uh, from Johnny Stan. As we shift on over to AEW, just going to hit a, a quickly on AEW this week before we get out of here. So, uh, man, a couple things to mention. The first few minutes of this show on Dynamite were fantastic. When <laughs> everybody had been uh, for months talking about how when CM Punk debuts that MJF should pl- should come out to Punk's music to troll the fans to get everybody to really get pissed off and boo. And so in Long Island, the home of MJF, Punk came out to MJF's music. And <laughs> I was pretty shocked at how uh the how willing to boo Punk the crowd was and how much the crowd was willing to cheer their guy MJF, who's an asshole, but he's their guy. <laughs> and man, Punk comes out and he goes right at the fans. This is your guy. This is your guy. You cheer him. He. The, what did the poor Islanders do to anybody, man? They got just ripped all throughout, all throughout the night. And, uh, and I actually think Punk was probably a little 
you could tell I don't think he thought they were going to boo him as much I think he liked it and, and was kind of leaning into it more yeah. Because he just kept going back to the Islanders It was like he didn't have more to say <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought the, the line, you know My dog, who Larry, who's neutered Larry. Has more balls than MJF And I think <laughs> the fans, I'm with you I think they turned on him a little bit there And he just kind of fed into it which was which was fun. Like this is what we've wanted from Punk for a while. So that was hot. And then that video with MJF. Oh my gosh, <laughs> he's walking on his high school football field, and he's in the Letterman yeah. jacket, and they're talking about the stuff that he did in school. He led the all Mel a- acapella group named the Acapellas, which is great. That was the name of the group in Glee. Yeah. Show Glee, freaking. They were the Acapellas, and. Oh my gosh! And the the and you know what else? He scored a lot of chicks. Oh yeah, scored <laughs> a lot of chicks. It was. I gotta you know, I'll give him crap and critique plenty of things on this show even, but that MJF Punk stuff I thought was all all pretty well done. It was good. Uh, no problem with it. Um, which leads us into the what Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal. I don't. Okay, was- I don't like. The battle royals that end with two. I've never been a fan. No, no. It's anticlimactic because you get to the point where it's like, if you're going to do that, you have to have that match right then. Right Right then. The final match, those two guys have to wrestle in a match right there afterwards. You can't wait till next week because it doesn't, everything, every single thing after the end of. Of the the battle royal when it's just Punk and or when it's just uh, MJF and Dante Martin standing there, almost everything else throughout the entire show to me felt convoluted. Yeah, I, I mean, look, you have so many attacks, interruptions. Have, yeah, yeah, acts. yeah, I'm so trying sparks. to keep score. Like, I got a checklist of here that I'm like, who are they? Ty- Dante Martin just turned and then turned back. So we're and is MJF? What made it a little bit Kind of confusing too is the way that They were trying to You know MJF was a baby face For a lot of this in his hometown And he was leaning into it Like playing the baby face But then at the end We didn't know if the Dante Martin thing and then it's a turn And then all of a sudden who's the Who are we supposed to be rooting for Right so MJF And Dante are the final two and then Ricky Starks comes back. He attacks Dante. Then he and MJF face off. Then MJF eventually attacks Dante. And then Dante will hit Starks. And then Punk comes in to clean house with the GTS. I just thought that was just way too much. And then it spills over again into the next two matches. We have attacks going on after the match. This is when I start losing things. Completely, the matches are fine. It just got real, real they're silly. Trying to do a little bit too much. Um, I, that the car shows up and it, and MJF gets out of it. I mean, everything about the way they, they presented that, that segment it was awesome. It was great. The punk stuff at the beginning was great. Then the battle royal and what happens afterwards, it just gets a little too much. We um we got Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and the Varsity Blondes versus the Acclaimed. So Varsity Blondes, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, they get the win here. Um, and Eddie Kingston, you know, helps them out. He he's uh, involved out there. So I mean, 
And then Matt, he gets attacked by two. It's just, a, but it's just so and, much, right? Like you're yeah. getting, yeah. you're trying to keep score with everything going on here. Um, backstage, we got FTR and Tully. They uh, talk about how they've beaten the Lucha Bros a few times now, and they uh, they claim that on Friday night they become the two time tag team champs. Um, Young Buck. Okay, so. The next match I thought was very good. Young Bucks, Chuck yes. Taylor, Rocky Romero. Like these guys all know each other well. I'm pretty sure I've actually called almost I think this exact match in Monrovia, like on an independent oh, show nice. years back. Um and, and fan, like great stuff. Great in-ring work from them. Um, you know, Adam Cole and Orange Cassidy are uh, are going at it a little bit there too. And so this will be fun. They hit the Meltzer driver for the win. My only thing is that it does just feel like we were saying with these guys not in the tag picture, it feels like the tag titles are a little bit less and it feels like they're kind of a little bit less. And even Cole is kind of a little bit less. That's a good call because, you know, they had a segment in that match. that's like 30 to 45 seconds of the Bucks dancing and then they roll out of the ring and kiss Adam Cole for a cheap pop. And now you've got the tag titles. On Friday Night Rampage, which the ratings are just not any good at all. And it just seems like we've seen the Lucha Bros and FTR just one too many times. And, you know, it was taped on Wednesday night. This is not a live show. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, we say a lot of times there's a lot of people that don't need belts. Uh, unfortunately, they might. I think they the might. belts need the bucks. You're right. They don't do. Think? Until there's a more. What's funny is. Their tag division is deep, right? Very there are deep. 10 teams that you could pick that could have great matches, but I don't know if any of them are on the star level of the Bucks, and they don't no. feel that way. And I don't know if it's a situation of maybe they need to get the tag, which they don't like doing what WWE does, is maybe you put two singles together to to kind of at least feel like they're a little bit more on a level like a Moxley Kingston where they may have felt like they were going in a, or a Darby sting kind of might've been a fun way to go for a little bit, but yeah, I don't know. There's something, something a little bit missing with the group right now. And maybe it's, they're kind of playing into that with Kenny being gone and right. you kind of feel that with, uh, with the tag titles. Also a couple more quick things to hit from AEW before we get out of here. So Backstage, this actually made me laugh. Um, <laughs> Ruby's talking backstage, and then she gets interrupted by the bunny and Penelope Ford, and they're talking about how she doesn't have any friends. And then all of a sudden, you just get Nyla off screen. She's like, Hey, bitch. And she just comes in and just nails her like off the screen. <laughs> it made me laugh. I was like, Where did that come from? Nyla just like, Hey, bitch. And she just takes, <laughs> takes her out. It just it popped me, which was, you know, funny. <laughs> Um, right after that, Cody Rhodes comes out and interrupts Sammy Guevara, and they've yeah. made it official on Christmas. Cody is going to have a, a match against Sammy, so he will be the open challenge on Christmas against Sammy. So Cody kind of looked at which which uh, hallway he was going to walk back out of, and they're you know is he babyface? Is he a heel? He doesn't want to be a heel, but he was very solemn, and this was really quick and. I mean, this this should be he should win this and then just yes. go heal. Absolutely, one hundred percent heal. This this has to be what they're doing, right? No offense to Sammy Guevara, good kid, good worker, 
but Cody needs this title and to turn heel and just be a dick for a while. 100% agree. That's what we have to get. Um, we did get Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky in the crowd for a moment. The they talked, you know, complained about how they have to jump through all these hoops to get shots, but then Cody can just walk up and get a shot. They did mention that Dan Lambert is coming back at coming some point. Back. So he'll be back. Uh, we got a Rio versus Jamie Hader match, and Rio ends up getting the win. She's going to be the number one contender for the women's title. At the beginning of this match, it was sloppy. There were a couple bad, bad right. spots. I will give it to them, and I think they it picked it better. up. Yeah, and that's hard because sometimes you could get lost, right? You make a bad, you have a bad move, um, uh, uh, kind of interaction or two, and then you kind of get in your head about it, and and the match just goes to the shits. They didn't. They actually did a really good job getting it back on track, and I think we can tell they're they're starting to lead to Jamie Hader being the one that'll probably you know end up turning babyface, and Britt will end up going against her at some point. But Riho gets the win, so Riho will get a match against Britt coming up soon, and we will probably be getting uh, Jamie not too far down the line. Um, what about Malachi Black? I don't. I mean, fit uh, in the mist. I know some people. I didn't like that because it that felt to me like an Alexa Bliss thing, you know, yeah, with this the brutal. with the demon. It, she's screaming about the mist, and it's like, why is why is he interacting with them? I thought I, he was one of the hotter characters in the company. This is again, you know, people that complained about their spot on the card over at WWE. We're coming here now. It's like, where's Andrade? You know, where's Rusev? You know, where's Amira? Where's some of these? People who maybe they've had a good match Or a little bit of a good run But this is the common complaint Not everybody can always be a top top level talent And right now This feels below him Yeah, This feels below Malachi Black It really does uh, Brian Danielson finishes the, the show off Beating John Silver Hey man John Silver is fun He's fun you know <laughs> Like He's got I've announced him in uh, in person a few times too and he's got a he plays into his gimmick well. He's a small, strong man. He's got he's funny, he's got comedy chops. Brian Danielson beats him at, and then after the evil heel, he goes after him even more. But then uh, here comes Hangman and he interrupts him, says that he's gonna do some cowboy shit on him next week. So That's next, next week. Wednesday. Yeah, winter is coming. It's next Wednesday. He kinda he jumped up a little out. quickly, right? Yeah. It I mean, I don't think Danielson's winning the match. No, I don't. I wonder if they do, you know, a a draw gimmick like they did sort of with Omega to lead to another match. Do they have that Battle of the Belts thing coming up at some point? Yeah, that, I think they're leading to that. Maybe we get, you know, maybe that's the case. And I'm and I'm kind of curious: is Daniel is Brian Danielson a full heel, or was he just playing heel for this? You know, he was being pretty evil, but is is that just? For this feud and then you know Whoever he faces next he'll kind of go back the other way I'd imagine they have a really good match Next week but I mean Paige cannot lose That match no way as his first no title way. defense No no right? way It's got to be gimmicky I, I mean a draw would be good I don't know how many you know The ratings on that But just the match alone is going to be good uh, Don't think the super click Gets involved do you um, No I don't, no I don't, I don't know why Or they maybe because I don't think I don't think Kenny's ready yet. No. If if Kenny's ready, maybe he comes out and interrupts, and it's not clean, and then we get some sort of a weird with the three of them moving forward. But 
I don't, yeah, I think it's probably just a clean Hangman Page win, honestly. Like, Schmozzi or Page gets the win. Like, Daniel, Brian Danielson can't win and can't take this title. It, it doesn't. Absolutely not. I, it, I think, in, in all honesty, I think Hangman Page needs to freaking go over. Brian I do, too. I, it should be a clean win. Because that's be a clean he, he doesn't feel, they, they've done a good job. Like, he's an over baby face. But just in the grand scheme of wrestling, Hangman Page isn't on the level with Brian Danielson, with uh, Kenny Omega, with Punk, even with someone like Moxley, who was their champ, or Jericho, some of the previous champs. So he needs to start stacking some of these. They need to have good wins, good feuds, good storylines for Page moving forward. So that will do it for this episode of uh, of This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. Chad, what I will do is I'll ask you, since we don't really have anything coming up this week, I'll ask you next week when we talk, it'll be right before the start of the bowl games. So Love it. next week when we talk, have two or three games that you like of Got the bowls to, that we'll look into. I think the 17th is when they all start. And we'll, I'm going to have a, 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 a game set up, uh, a bowl pick them that I'm going to give away some prizes to people who want to get involved yeah. so we can help uh, give uh, the folks a couple of uh, thoughts on some of the games to play. So next week, Chad will give us a couple college football games to play throughout bowl season and Koopa loop, my man. I hope you have a great weekend. Hope you have a, an awesome uh, few days and I look forward to talking to you again next week, buddy. It's fun time every week. Gino at the Chad Cooper, give him a follow on Instagram and on Twitter and don't go anywhere folks. There's still plenty more to come. And that's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said. Big thank you to Koopaloo for this week in wrestling, uh, helping us out each and every week. Thank you to Andrew for coming on. Andrew always helps us out, even the topics, uh, whether they're fun, we're messing around like the old wrestling rewatch, or whether it's something really serious and we have to get into um, as he's helped us out with many of the serious horse racing issues over the last couple years. Thank you to Eric for his help with NFL Week 14 and Jack Fitzpatrick from DRF Sports. Make sure to check out that site when you need any help with your handicapping. That's going to do it for us, folks. Hope you all have a great weekend. We'll be back early next week with Episode 4 of Hawkeye, some early week racing, and you know, you all know the schedule for the most part now. As we get closer to the end of the year, that's when we're going to start having Santa Anita and Sam Houston that'll be a big big focus as we will be working with Santa Anita and with Sam Houston and we'll have lots of content for every day both of those racetracks will be uh, will be racing so good luck this weekend and hope, hope you all have a great one as we get closer and closer to the holiday Christmas the big one coming soon uh, have a great weekend